Hey, Steve. Just listening to your most recent podcast um, about randoneering and JP's terrible accident. And I almost never do anything like this. But I'm a long-time listener of the podcast. Really, really, really love your style. Love that you're just completely unafraid to talk about, especially being a man, talking about mental health, um, getting over the macho stuff. I don't know. I just wanted to appreciate you for that. And found myself this morning kind of complaining. Hang on one second. Hello, good morning. Found myself complaining this morning about where I live in Davis, California. It's completely flat. No hills for, I don't know, 30 miles or something like that. And um, here I am in my town crunching gravel. And I'm like three miles from my house. <laughs> and it might be flat, but, you know, it's just me, some hikers, and some tractors out here, to be honest with you. Um, but it's beautiful. I'm having a great time this morning. And I just feel like that's a perspective shift that I appreciate. I feel like that's something that you would appreciate, having done that many times yourself, I'm sure. Um, but anyways, thanks for what you do, man. Really love the podcast and really appreciate you. So thanks a bunch. Paul from California, thanks for your voice intro. Really good to hear your voice and really appreciative of your kind words. Um, I'm really glad you're digging the podcast. And uh, lately, this week has been, I've been feeling very lit up this week, the last couple of weeks, just about um, the podcast and wanting to bring listeners more. Um, so, uh, Paul, thanks for your support. He hopped on my Patreon and he's enjoying um, access to, uh, well, early access to these episodes as well as um, I started putting a video diary of last year's Tour Divide on there. I'm just going through my videos. And honestly, it, it started as a uh, nostalgic, even though it's only a year ago, it started as a nostalgic project, just kind of diving into that trip a little bit, some of the videos I took and um, and then it says, you know what, I should put these out there. I mean, some of them probably, probably made, made it to, uh, to Instagram, but, uh, not all of them have. And, and a couple of them are, are pretty personal and, you know, there's, cause there was a lot of reconciliation for me going on on that ride and trying to reconcile what life was going to look like when I got back. And, um, there's a lot of stuff going on for me as many of you who have followed me will already know. And, um, that was, that trip was definitely, um, a pivot in life, uh, that I didn't really expect. Um, I think I expected it a little bit, but maybe not to the degree that it has occurred, but, um, regardless, uh, I've put those videos up there. So folks who support me at the, um, at the $3 level, uh, will have access to that stuff. And, um, I really, uh, appreciate it. I really appreciate the support. I have some other awesome projects on the go. And I want to, uh, one project I'm, re I'm really excited about. Um, and I've talked about it a little bit with a, a couple people. 
Uh, I'm going to put it out to the universe, and I've talked about it before, but um, I'm really hoping to record an audiobook. Um, uh, it's a book about bikepacking. I won't divulge what it is now, but um, I got the author's permission to record this book, and I'm really going to try to persevere to make this happen. Um, those of you who like listening to my voice <laughs> might enjoy listening to the book. And um, it's it's a wonderful book. Uh, I'll di- I, I'll dive I'll, di- I'll divulge more later. I actually have the the prologue and the and chapter one already recorded, but I'm not sure. And I recorded it a while ago. I'm not sure if I'm going to re-record it because I don't know if um, my intonation, my energy on the mic may have changed, and I really want it to be consistent. So I might delve into chapter two and just try to see what it sounds like the, with the transition. Because a couple things bothering me bother me about audiobooks is one when you can't stand listening to the narrator's voice, and uh, I, I've been told a couple times that my voice is you know soothing or easy to listen listen to. What did Nathan Seaman say? The sultry tones. Um, I have no idea. I, my voice is my voice. And you know what? Now that I've been recording podcasts and headphones, I listen to my voice constantly. Um, but one, I, I don't like that. Two, I, I, I really like things to be consistent uh, in, a, in an audio book. And sometimes you'll get these uh, hints of changes in energy or changes in pace. And uh, so I've listened to enough audio books now that I think I'm going to be able to record something really special. And so... The idea is to make that also available to my Patreon supporters. I'm really excited about it. So when that starts to happen, I'll let you know. The other project I'm working on, I was supposed to connect with my coach page uh, this morning, and I fucked it up again. It's I don't know what it is. There's been two times where she's she's in the east, so I'm mountain time. She's a couple hours difference, and uh, I think maybe it's funny. It's like what. what is this serving me telling this story? Because I feel like I'm just defending myself, but it's, it's like, you know, I remember I went to bed, I set my alarm, uh, set it for four 30 because <clears throat> I was going to get up and, uh, make some coffee. That's another project I'm actually working on with somebody. Um, and I just, I just fat fingered my alarm instead of four 30, it was five 30. My alarm went off. I look at the clock and say, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so I got up and, and I missed the boat. I miss talking to my, my coach page Royal and, uh, regretfully. Yeah. I just hate wasting people's time. I just, I just think that is, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a very punctual person. So when I miss the boat like that, I think the thing that bugs me the most is that person's time that, you know, waiting for me and where the fuck is Steve. And then, you know, I'm totally late. I'm, I'm, yeah, I just, I don't like that. I don't like feeling that I did that to somebody. So I've already apologized profusely to Paige <laughs> via text, but Paige, I'm really sorry. I missed the boat, but that's a really, another really fun project that's coming on. And yeah, um, pink weasel coffee. Um, I've been kind of helping out with that project a little bit. Um, there's not a whole lot on Instagram going on right now with pink weasel, but um, I've been getting samples to taste and to try and to advise on, and it's been really fun. It's been really fun getting a little, getting my hands in the, back into the coffee biz. And, uh, especially at the launch of something that I think is pretty cool. And bike packers dig coffee. Well, most of them, like I know there's teetotalers out there, um, which is cool too. But, uh, for the coffee drinkers, um, I think you're really going to dig pink weasel. So check that out. 
keep your eyes peeled for more action coming from that uh, realm uh, in the coffee world. And uh, I think you guys are going to be stoked about that. So going back to Paul. um, Yeah, again, thanks for your voice intro. Um, Really good to hear from you. If you want to send me one like Paul did, just whip out your device, record me something and send it to myback40podcast at gmail.com. You can also DM me. Um, I get DMs all the time and it's fun. I've kind of converted. I'm slowly converting my communication style to sending voice messages. And this week I've been really adhering to my own advice to like, if you're walking down the street or you're just sitting watching, even watching TV, working on a podcast, whatever is just when a name, a face, uh, an experience crosses your mind, um, immediately stop. And send that person a hello and uh, hey, I'm thinking about you. And uh, I just, I've, I've, for me, I've made, I've made so many great, I mean that great relationships, despite them being um, digital, (laughs) in most cases, digital. um, I have met some wonderful, amazing men and women through the My Back 40 podcast. And it just speaks to the great community we have. Um, and even just talking about that now, it makes me think about wanting to put together just a, just something to get us together. We're so dispersed, right? Which is which makes things difficult as well. I mean, there's a lot of my listeners who are who are in, you know, BC and Alberta, which it'd be easy to get together. But you know, Paul's in California, you know, I've got dudes in New Zealand, I've got people like in the Alps, <laughs> you know, there's people all over the world and which makes me super proud of, of what we've created here. And, uh, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to acknowledge that. <clears throat> and I've said this before. It's the, this podcast for me is not, uh, a one way transaction, right? It's, it's, it's ultimately two way. Um, and sometimes it feels like I'm just talking into a mic, but, um, what I see in my, in my mind's eye when I'm speaking is all the people I've interacted with and I'm talking to you. So if it sounds like I'm talking to you directly, I kind of am talking to you directly. Um, so love you guys a ton. Um, you guys and girls, I love you guys a ton. And you know what I heard the other day that you're not supposed to use guys anymore. Um, lots of tangents going on this morning. eh? This is going to be a long podcast. This is going to be pushing the three hour, <laughs> three hour mark for sure. I hope that's okay. Uh, it's a good training podcast, but uh, yeah, I've I've had a lot of uh, interactions and conversations about um, you know the language we use, the words we choose, um, and especially for a for a person like me, um, it's hard to change your vernacular. You know, it's hard for me to. Like some of my, some of my best women friends, I'll say, oh dude, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) You know, I'll just, I don't know why it's, it's just, it's ingrained. So it's really hard for me to, for me to flip that around. And even, um, pronouns, I'm doing my best with pronouns and, um, my, my buddy, uh, see, I even said buddy, right? I just said it going into this topic of conversation and I shouldn't have used that word. My friend AJ, who I spent a ton of time with, love this person. I uh, spent a lot of time with on the divide, shared rooms, had really good conversations. Um, he's a non-binary person, and uh, we rode the divide. And I probably use my vernacular on him all the time. 
on them all the time. So I just did it again. And then one day I, I, uh, I was, um, uh, urged by someone to, you know what, you should really ask us pronouns. And I did. And I learned they were, they, them. And that's cool. You know, <clears throat> but I felt so horrible <laughs> calling him buddy and Hey man. And, 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 and I feel really bad about that. I really do. And it's, and it, and I shouldn't because I didn't know up until a certain time that uh, his pronouns were they, them, but I really want to respect that. Right. So, um, you know, that, that topic of conversation came up. So AJ, I love you, man. See, did it again. I did it again. I love you, AJ. Um, and we had another conversation about that recently and, um, yeah, he's just a really great person. And, uh, we were talking about, um, tour divide and the calling, you know, that it kind of calls you back. And, uh, he, they did it again. AJ finished it, but, uh, thinks that there's still unfinished business, right? I know they had a hard time on certain segments of it. I remember, uh, conversing with AJ, uh, about some uh, instances or some situations they were having. And, um, I think maybe that's the main motivator for AJ. But for me, I just want to, I just want to go back and ride it again because it was a uh, quote unquote fun and a life changing moment. I know I, I talk about it all the time. So obviously I gotta, I gotta go and do something else. I gotta go to Ontario and do like the log driver's waltz or the BT. I gotta do something else, but logistics, of that are uh, difficult <laughs> for me to get away for extended periods of time balancing work and family life. But uh, maybe, maybe in my future, I will do that. This podcast would not be possible without the support of you and my sponsors. Um, the easiest way to support the podcast is to give me a five-star rating and a review on your favorite listening platform. Um, <clears throat> you can support me financially, got a lot of stuff happening on patreon lately so if you want to kind of get in on that um you are welcome to and uh for a minimum of three dollars you can get uh, three dollars a month you can get access to my tour divide video diary and then for five dollars a month you can get in and check out early access to episodes like this one you're probably listening to now if you're a supporter um and another great way to support the podcast is really support my supporters uh, Dynamic Cyclist has been one of the longest running supporters of the My Back 40 podcast. Strength training, stretching, mobility, injury prevention. Um, they've got it all in an application that fits in the palm of your hand. So it's a no-brainer. Um, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. And then if you drop the code MB40, you're going to save 25%. And also, I want to give a huge thanks to um, Ryan Draper at Cycling 101. You know, I, I, I was embarrassed. I kind of knew that Trish trained with Ryan and... I phrased that question wrong. I should have said, are you still training with Ryan? Anyway, the stuff I ruminate about. Um, uh, awesome coach, awesome dude, uh, super adept at uh, integrating training programs into your busy lifestyle. So whatever you do, you're a dad, you've got a day job. <laughs> we all got a lot of stuff. We're all burning the candle at both ends. Sometimes there's not a lot of time to fit that training in. Ryan can do it. So check out Ryan Draper at cycling-101.com. And if you sign up and drop the code MB40, you're going to save 50% off your first month of coaching. So give them a try. I also want to thank Redshift Sports. I've been digging, you know, the fat bike season's coming up. 
and it's almost time to uh you know get that rig ready and i just i love having the suspension seat post in the winter just so, sucks up all the post holes you know what i mean like when it gets kind of chundery even though you've got like a five inch tire it's really nice to have that extra cush so if you drop the code mb40 at redshiftsports.com you're going to save 15 percent. i want to huge shout out to dale marchand at rolling dale cycles huge shout out to that dude um I love my bike. It's my forever bike. I'll never get rid of my my Rolling Dale uh, bikepacking rig timber ever. Um, we've had some crazy adventures. And um, if you want a bike that fits you like no other, then you need to reach out to Dale and get him to build you a bike. I also want to thank Lakeside Bikes in, in Vermeer for just being awesome. Just being the best bike shop in Invermere. That's what I want to thank them for. So thank you guys for stepping up and helping me out and helping my friends out. I really appreciate it. So next time you're in Invermere and you're looking for service, check out Lakeside Bikes. Something that came up for me um, during Paul's voice intro, I loved how he was riding along and he said, just give me a minute here. And then he said hello to the people he was passing. Um, I dug that. I kind of dug the the prioritization of greeting the real humans um, that he was interacting with despite being on his phone. <clears throat> and uh, there's this thing, right? There's this thing, but you see it in memes. There's memes about uh, mountain bike versus road bike versus gravel bike people and those, those funny interaction memes. But in a way it kind of exists it, 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 there's there's this there's this delineation between all these different styles of riders and um I, I feel it a lot um when i'm when i'm passing a road bike um mostly i mean gravel folk if you meet people out on the dirt usually it's you know everyone's just enjoying dirt um but but some riders just don't they don't wave back they've just got their head heads buried and they're into their own thing and I don't know. I guess I get it. Maybe you're training for something, but you know, we're all on the same team or <laughs> we're all out there riding bikes. We're all out there for a reason, uh, whether it's fitness or mental health or, uh, just training for something. Um, you know, just, just because I've, I'm running 2.6 inch tires and I'm running the gravel and on a kooky looking rig and you come by me on a, like I'm coming back through town and I'm on the pavement and maybe my lights are on and I look like a bit of a uh, bikepacking nerd. Um, I passed a road biker coming into, and I'm not, I'm not picking on the road bikers. This was just an experience I had, but I was coming down a hill and <clears throat> I was just um, on the pavement and there's a road biker coming up and I look up and I kind of like give him a wave and he kind of gave me that huh, kind of attitude, like kind of, huh. it's like, fuck off. Come on, man. We're all on the same team here riding bikes. You know, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. I felt that a lot in, uh, in, uh, Canmore. I'm not finding my way to Canmore much anymore. Uh, yeah, but, uh, uh, riding this, even just, you know, out riding the legacy trail and there's people, you know, there's Olympians that live in Canmore and they use that legacy trail for training, but yeah, people are so serious. <laughs> So you just look up and smile and say hello, you know, like we're all on the same team. I thought it was kind of funny. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about briefly is I was li listening to a podcast. I don't know if you listen to the Lex Friedman podcast. I don't want you to stop listening to this podcast, but the Lex Friedman podcast is fascinating. And he was talking to, um, his name is Yosha Bach, and they were talking about um, AI 
um, philosophy. Anyway, Joshua Bach is a German artificial intelligence researcher and cognitive scientist focusing on cognitive architectures, mental representation, emotion, social modeling, and multi-agent systems. Kind of a mouthful. But there's a couple things he was talking about. I think it was one thing, but it kind of correlated with something else. But, um, you know, this uh, Yosha is the type of person he goes to, uh, he likes to have experiences, you know, he goes to Burning Man, um, and, you know, when he, when, he, when he goes there, he wears costumes, which many do, <clears throat> and then Lex is like, well, how many costumes do you have? And he's like, well, I have a lot of costumes, actually. When I get up in the morning and go to work, I put a costume on, you know, I put nice pants, you know, maybe a button-down shirt, maybe a tie, depending on the the occasion, but that's, that's my costume for, for that day. And then when I go, say, if I go to, uh, go to a pub after work, you know, or, or go to a bar, um, I put on a different costume. I may wear wear the same costume depending on the context, or I might put on a different costume when I go bikepacking for me, right? We put on a costume, we put on our, we put on our kit, right? To go riding. Um, when you go to Burning Man, you put on a costume, unicorn fairy butterfly whatever it may be but we're constantly wearing costumes in life right now i'm lounging around in my living room talking to you all and i'm wearing like fuck, i always wear my my back 40 shirt pretty much all the time <laughs> such a dirt bag um but i'm in my lounge wear right i'm wearing you know some comfy shorts bare feet maybe slippers when it gets minus 40 out, you know, I put on my, my costume for here. And when I go to work later, I'm going to put on another costume, but it it got me thinking about a book. Um, I can't remember the author's name. It's called the alter ego effect. And it's about, um, assuming certain egos, certain personalities when you're going into certain, um, social situations in life. So the, the couple things that stand out to me, what the author did, um, I'm going to try to find the the author, but, um, he would get up and when he went to work, he would put on, um, he would put on glasses and they weren't, you know, they, they would look like prescription glasses, but they were just like a nice looking pair of clear lenses, glasses. And, and that snapped him into work mode, professional mode, wearing my glasses today, I'm going to work and um, oh, you know what? I don't have it in audiobook. I don't think. I think it's a <clears throat> it's a book you have to read, like a paper book. Crazy, huh? I'm going through my library now. Uh, no, I've got that book somewhere. But um, <clears throat> and so you know, he'd go to work. He'd be a professional guy. He'd put on his quote costume, and then um, when he got back home uh, for the day, he would take the glasses off. He would put a bracelet on his wrist that his daughter made him, and then he would snap the bracelet. It's elastic, and he would he would snap his wrist, and that was the totem that he would activate to become the father. Now he's the dad, and um, it's fascinating. And I've used it in a bikepacking race before. Um, it was the morning of the start. I was ITTing something, and I was scared. I was. It was the first it was the first ITT I'd done and they are, they, they feel weird because there's no one else on course. You know, there's no camaraderie. There's none of that. And, um, I, you know, I donned my, my kit, my button down, (laughs) whatever I was wearing. 
and I uh, had my bike packed and I went outside and, uh, and I just kind of like took a breath and it's like, now I'm bike packer, Steve. Now, now I'm the bike packer guy. And it completely changed my persona. Like I was less fearful, you know, I was less emotional leaving the house. You know, it's just now I'm adventure guy. I'm going on an adventure. And it's funny too. This correlates with something that my sister said, my, my sister, Kimberly, love you. She was out here visiting for a while. And, um, you know, when she was first here, we we were just hanging out her and I, and then I got my kids for a few days and, uh, she said like, you, you change so much when your kids are around and it's like, I, I try to be myself, but yeah, as a father, you change, you know, there's different boundaries. There's, um, things you do that are just different with your kids. Right. And I said, yeah, because that's dad, Steve, like, <laughs> dad Steve there's dad Steve there's brother Steve there's boyfriend Steve there's there's all these like different flavors of Steve depending on the context you're in right like when I'm at work I'm I'm kind of work Steve I mean we all want to be authentic but we can only be so authentic in certain contexts or we'll never have any friends (laughs) never have any friends or we'll get fired from our job right if we if we don't kind of alter um, boundaries. And it sucks to say, because we should always be authentic. But, um, anyway, those are some things I just had in mind lately. And, uh, I just want to share them with you. So hope everyone's doing well. I'm really excited about this podcast with Trish Holt. Um, I met Trish in the bike pack Canada days and, um, we've had, I've had her on the podcast before and we always have really great chats. She's a very open woman. Um, she's very active. She's very driven and focused on the things that she chooses to do or not do. And in this podcast, we open by just, uh, we, we get into the big sky spectacular in, in Montana. Um, it's like 900 miles. And what does she say? Um, was it 30,000 meters of climbing? I could be wrong. It was not 900 miles, which is like what? 50, 1400 K or something. So a big undertaking and not many people started, um, I think six people started, uh, and three people, uh, scratched. And I think it was her and these two dudes who were, uh, racing as a pair. And, uh, she came in after the team. So uh, of three, she came in number three. Um, and I just, she's a badass. <laughs> and I really like talking to Trish. Uh, I, I was uh, out single speeding just before we connected and I sent her a voice message and I was just like, I don't know if you're going to be down with this, but I really want to have a deep conversation tonight. Are you okay with that? And she's like, yeah, it's fine. And it was, it was a great conversation and I really hope you dig it. So without further delay, I bring you Trish Holt. Hi. Hi Trish. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Really good. Good. Mm Hmm. Yeah, big old smile. I haven't seen that in a long time, Trish. <laughs> so nice. Yes, happy camper. Yeah, yeah. Um, how are things? I'm glad we could connect. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Things are great. What's, yeah, things what, are really good. What's been going on? I mean, other than crushing bikepacking races, what else has been going on? <laughs> uh, got, uh, the daughter got married this summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, and now just, yeah, winding down a little bit, getting into 
some cross racing. Mm. I chilled the riding season a bit. Um, just got back from a quick weekend bikepacking uh, excursion with Guy. Nice. And, yeah, and his wife and um, Kevin and his and his partner. And yeah, it was fun. Cool. Excuse my picking my teeth. Like I literally just put the last mouthful of food in my face. Uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it was a really good ride. Actually, the last couple of days have been super. I don't know, man. I don't know what it is. It's that that ebb and flow of of life, right? And just yesterday, I just feel really good. Yeah, feeling really good lately. Yeah. Yeah. So, tell me about this race and I'm, I'm super ignorant about the big sky spectacular. Oh, it's phenomenal. So uh, yeah, yeah. sorry, get, get into it. I mean, um, I think the one thing let's just start with is like, from what I, what I could tell only six people entered. (laughs) Right. So, (laughs) so that speaks to something. Only six people entered. You were in the top three, according to the times behind two guys that were riding as a team. Is that correct? Right. Yes. Right. I, I, I believe prior to the lineup uh, on uh, the morning of, there were maybe a dozen that were actually supposed to be on the starting line. And, you know, life gets in the way. It's a big commitment, yeah. uh, you know. Um, so yeah, there was, there was six of us, two teams and then two solo riders. Cool. Um, tell, tell me about the route. Explain it to me. Uh, well, it's 900 miles. Um, I had to convert everything to kilometers cause that's just sort of how my brain <laughs> I know, works. Right? Well, an advantage for my brain, I don't know. Um, because we ended up having to reroute. And so mm. I had a scoop of where I wanted to stop, where all the pie stops were. Um, it's a bit of a scavenger hunt, uh, looking for locations. Um, so yeah, converting it to kilometers definitely was not a bonus <laughs> for me. <Just> like too <laughs> much math, right? Screwed up. Anyways. Uh, yeah. So it's a, it's a route that runs out of Bozeman. It was uh, running uh, Southwest and then it was to come um, and venture uh, along the um, Continental Divide, and then it, it heads back northeast and goes up into um, Prairie. Oh, I, I, I would be rude if I said wasteland, but when you huh. see such... Yeah, and then you get up into uh, just, you know, fields of... Some of them were planted, some of them weren't, and it's hot and dry, and it's just like, oh my god, what a wasteland. Um, but yeah, you know, all, all, all still very beautiful. And then, then you just head back down into Bozeman, so it's a big loop. Uh, lots of, lots of. Uh, is it a di- diverse route, or is it pretty just, you know, gravel? How much elevation did you say? Oh, it was forty-three thousand feet, so thirteen thousand meters, roughly. Wow. Yeah, six six mountain passes, a lot of climbing. Um, but the passes, you know, they're not these punchy climbs and you know undulating climbs. There was some of that. Uh, so a lot of the climbing was, you know, eleven eleven kilometers of right. for a climb, and average climbs were like you know 
I think they I think my Garmin said there was 63 climbs. So <laughs> I, I got a new Garmin and gave me all of these metrics. <laughs> it's funny. I've been using a Wahoo and I had it on the divide. I bought it for the divide and yeah. it didn't have the feature when I was out there, but it got an update. And then even just riding around town and it'll just be bleep climb. It's like, Oh, and it's going to tell me all this data about the climb that I didn't even input into the computer. It's just sucking it off of maps or whatever, right? And I don't. Sometimes I don't know if I really want to know. <laughs> I uh, I never had that feature, and it was a big surprise. Um, I did a I did a gravel race, and it was like essentially the courier dropped it off. I grabbed it, <laughs> got messy, went to the gravel race, loaded it that night. And then took it on the race with the route. Like I had no idea how it worked. <laughs> it, just, it wasn't like a high risk. There was, you know, hundreds of people I could follow. Um, but it, it's it's a neat feature to say, okay, you know what? I only have like half a kilometer left. Keep going. It's it, there's an end. And then does it color code it as well? Like with the yeah, it's it's pretty cool and it's pretty accurate. You know, you can, you can get ready for stuff, but sometimes on the, on the divide, like my buddy, Tim had a Garmin with that feature and he was like, Oh, there's a, there's like a 20 mile climb coming up in one and a half miles. And it's just like, fuck, shut up. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Technology. Hey. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know what? Mentally it really helped me yeah. when I, when I finished that 63rd climb that morning, I just went. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a big number to count down from too. Sixty three, like that was like at fifteen. I go, okay, well, you know, twenty. <laughs> so yeah. I've, I've always looked. I've always thought that you've had a really strong mental game. It it, it seems that you're really strong there. Can you speak to that? Um, I, I, I agree. I think I have, I'm, uh, you know, um, shouldn't use the word stubborn. I think I can persevere or tenacity. I don't like stubborn. I think I've got a bit of a negative, uh, tenacity. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. There's some tenacity and, uh, you know, I always, um, try to keep my words as positive and in, when I was doing the Epic and I said, as long as, you know, if my legs, fall off, then I'm done. But if my arm falls off, I can still ride with one arm. <laughs> so I've stopped saying that and just, uh, you know, just, it, it takes a lot. It takes a lot, but it's just a little bit of pain. And I, I, I enjoy being out there um, on my own, in my own head and not thinking about much and, and yeah, just persevering. That's kind of like the escape of it all, I think, sometimes, is to just forget everything else that's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, like even today, I'm, I'm, I'm in the habit of wearing headphones all the time. But I got like halfway around the ride. I was like, you know what? Let's just, let's just kind of be in nature and hear it. And it was, it, it's because I'm always trying to distract myself, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, once, once you're out on the trail, I agree. It's just such a, it's such a good place to be just to find some peace and quiet. And, and time is a bit of an illusion yeah. when you're out there. Because uh, there really is no concept of time. It is, it is a bit of an illusion because 
you will just ride and ride and then you look and you're like oh my gosh it's three o'clock in the afternoon and then you're riding and then all of a sudden it's 8 30 and you're going wow like there's really no concept of time it's just it's a very bizarre feeling when you're not connected to a schedule do you find though i i hear what you're saying do you find that you're kind of there's this a uh, spectrum shift, oh, sorry, a paradigm shift from our normal life circadian to mother nature's circadian. That sounds super woo, right? But it's just mm-hmm. when you're out there and you go through the, the cycles of the day and if you're out there long enough, you just kind of like, you just kind of click into mother nature a little bit. And, and oh, absolutely. when the sun goes down, your body wants to shut down. And when the sun comes up, it, you can just feel it warming back up. Right. Yeah. Super yeah. I, uh, I, um, Ryan had told me years ago, he said, uh, get up um, at three o'clock in the morning. Whatever time you go to bed, get up at three o'clock in the morning, get on the road by four, at least start riding and and start your day as the day starts to wake up. And even riding, um, doing training rides, it's like, okay, it's five o'clock in the morning, I'm going for a training ride, because that's when you get to see the moose. And that's when you get to see all of nature, you know, the deers are bedding down in the ditches and all of a sudden they pop out and you never see that. There's no vehicles. It's like, that's the magic of, of the day is to see that morning wake up. And to me that, that is a key element to doing these races and, and to doing these longer rides is that you get, there is no concept of time. You're basically, you do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> right? There's, there's nobody saying, oh, that's crazy. You shouldn't get up so early. <laughs> well, there are actually lots of people that would say that, really. Oh, well, but, I don't hear those voices. No, of course not. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I tried to get on the morning thing for a while, but uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get it. Yeah. I need to try again. I need to, because I, I find that, doing anything at night riding bikes it's it just kind of interrupts my sleep you know even getting back what i got back like an hour ago and i'll be buzzing off that for the next you know oh. till well after our conversation and then i have a hard time going to sleep where i think if you what you say get up with the, the do the circadian thing and at the end you've already you've gotten it out of the way you know get her done and then and the day is all yours, right? Or all, all you could share that with whoever is oh, in your that, life, right? That, that's definitely a bonus is to, uh, you know, be done your training ride by, you know, noon. <laughs> you're up at, you know, depending on how far you're going and how long you're going. Um, I, uh, I've always been a morning person, so it just comes really naturally to me. Um, it was quite funny because the first... Uh, the first day of the race was, it, it was a whole other level of suck. Uh, the day before when we got into Bozeman, it was raining and we had talked to some fellow at the coffee shop and he said, yeah, this is really weird. It doesn't normally rain for much longer than a couple of hours. So it's weird that it's been raining all day. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, here we go. Okay, great. So we, we got out on the on the course and you know, we're all feeling pretty good and kind of riding in a, in a you know, a group of, uh, well, they're the, the first uh, team, they just sort of booked it and took off. And then the, there's four of us who are all kind of riding with each other. And um, 
the the gravel is unlike Alberta gravel. It's actually um, it may have been graveled 20 years ago. The roads, so now they're it's sand. Uh, so you know you're riding and you're pushing your bike through wet sand, and so that was a whole other level of suck. And then it got seriously hot, and I was up high and. You know, I'm not used to the heat. And then we got, there was actually a wind warning. And so I'm finishing that night's ride heading into, you know, gale force headwind on this gravel that just blows. And uh, I got into the first town, Twin Bridges, and I thought, oh, I'm, you know, they had, a, they had a bike park there, which is really neat. It was a bike park set up for cyclists. So you take a picture of your bike, you text it to the number that's on the on the door. They give you a code. You get a code to go into and have a shower. Oh, that's and cool. It was very cool. And then uh, so I bivvied up there. You know, it's not terribly late, but I had I like my day cooked me. Mm. So I uh, bivvied up and um, set my alarm. I thought I'll get up at 4 a.m. And I knew the rest of uh, the riders were. Uh, hoteling in the same town except for the two young guys went ahead and uh i woke up and then all of a sudden i'm getting ready in the morning and i can see all the headlights going down the highway they're all leaving town and i was like holy shit that's right we're racing i gotta get going and then all of a sudden it just it just like all of a sudden just clicked oh right i gotta be right like i gotta get going this is a race and then then the whole mentality just shifted and i thought okay i'm gonna ride as long as i can and then i'm gonna get up to three and it took it took a good day to get the the bike pack race cobwebs um cleared off it was uh yeah it was it was an interesting first day for sure when was your last event like of that magnitude the ar right the AR 700 because I didn't do anything the year before. Nothing, no, no long events in 2022. Yeah, um, yeah, it's funny just getting into that rhythm, right? It, it, I think there, there's almost a benefit to <laughs> if you could ride to the start, take a couple days, bike pack your way to the start. I that totally crossed my mind. Yeah, yes. I don't know if it's well. That wouldn't be so far. That would be a day. Would it be about a day to get down there too? It's a ten-hour drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's southern. Like... It's southern Montana. Oh, okay. I'm thinking of the wrong direction. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, do the Leo Wilcox thing and just kind of ride, I, it, yeah, just I, like I, zip, I, just right into it. In, in my in my travels on the race, I was I was embracing her. I'm like, okay, I see why she uh, rode from Alaska all the way to Banff. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's what I why I that's why I think that some of those elite riders are there's they don't stop right. It seems like they're they're never off the bike for that long. It's just like mm-hmm. huge event after huge event after huge event. It seems that way. Like there's not a, not a whole ton of recovery, um, whether you're casually riding or or racing. Like it's just it's incredible these these machines that. Well, I'm sure you felt that when you were doing the tour, you know, you get up, you just ride the next day, like nothing, maybe, you know, muscle-wise, nothing hurt. Mm. Everything felt great. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, it's all in your head. Yeah. It's, yeah. What I was, I was riding the other day and I noticed 
a flip. You, you maybe you felt this with your, you know, party pace to, not that you were party pace, but you know, mm-hmm. slow at a fast pace that they just, it clicked. It's like, um, um, I noticed writing the other day that I was kind of getting all negative and, and negative self-talky and down just thinking about bullshit and all my power went away. Right. And I was kind of cognizant of that. And, and then something turned me around. I think I put on one of my favorite songs lately. It's been Van Halen jump. I don't know why when the, when the synth comes in, like I'm a child of the seventies and eighties. Right. So it's just, it, it picks me up. And then I noticed that my mood picked up and my power picked up. So if, if you could just create this awesome impenetrable, impenetrable mind, <laughs> it just stay. Oh, and, and- I, I heard a term music doping, music doping, <laughs> music doping. And I, uh, I, I don't normally bring uh, headphones, um, but I did this time. And there were moments where I just plugged in and listened to a little bit of music and it definitely just switched it around. And I went, yeah, no, I get, I get the term. I get the term now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just everything that we feed. All, all, the way we stimulate ourselves during is how you know we can generate that positive mindset. Mm-hmm. What did the day two look like? Uh, so day two was yeah. So that was to Dylan. Uh, nice long climb, uneventful except you know be careful what you say, be careful with your words. The night before the race, I was saying to another uh, rider, I said, you know. In my world, if I go the wrong way, it's normally downhill and I have to come back uphill. Well, sure as shit, <laughs> I missed the turnoff at the top of the summit, the very first path, and I was supposed to turn off at the top of the summit, but I went down and all of a sudden my Garmin's going, you're off course. And I went, of course I am. <laughs> How deep did you get <laughs> so before to... you realized? Uh, I would say halfway. Yeah, halfway, so maybe about five kilometers. Down, uh, down. Yeah. So then you, then you have around, to turn around. <laughs> yeah. And it was, what was really funny is because my son had sent me a text, and, he, and while I was climbing the summit, he said, Mom, you're crushing it. And that just really gave me this a boost. And, of course, then I'm just, you know, cruising up and get to the top of the summit and pull out my apple pie from McDonald's, and I eat it, and... There was a, a truck in a trailer. I, I thought it was a pullout at the top of the summit, and there was a truck in a trailer parked in front of the road. Not that that's, I guess, my excuse. Um, <laughs> so I ate my apple pie, and then I went down, and all of a sudden I had to turn around and come back up. So, oh, yeah. You were just be careful you, with your words. <laughs> right. Yeah, words to power, right? <clears throat> and you, you, uh, you were so drunk on the, on the apple pie. You just weren't yeah, thinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was, I was loving it. I was just thinking life is amazing. Like here I'm eating uh, McDonald's apple pie. I don't think I've had one since I was 12. It was yeah, awesome. And then, yeah, so then that's when the detour started was day two. And we ended up going um, on a scenic byway because we had to miss a pass because there was fire activity in the area. And uh, we ended up having to reroute uh, for a pass. And, um yeah, bivvied up a little early that night. Uh, I should have continued on if I had studied my course a little better, that um, that reroute section, because when I got up the next morning, it was all downhill. 
but uh, made a rookie mistake, um, bivvied up, left my bivvy uh, open, and it was a beautiful night. Had you know my um, uh, puffy jacket under under my head for a pillow, under actually under my mattress or under my um, pad for a pillow left the bivy open and uh, woke up to pouring rain. <laughs> and so it all drained into my bivy and my puffy jacket was soaked. My uh, quilt started wicking all of the water. Oh, uh, so I just, la- I just laid there in, you know, in this uh, position where I didn't move because uh, I didn't want to get my wool um, jammies wet and uh, just laid there and, uh, you know, as soon as I stuck my head out and I could see the stars, that was about three o'clock in the morning. I had to pack up my wet gear and uh, head off to uh, to Anaconda to get to the laundromat. So in typical bike packer fashion, I had my shit everywhere <laughs> drying. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's kind of funny because uh, small town Montana is. Um, I don't think they see, you know, other than the Tour Divide and in some of the towns, I don't think they see a whole lot of uh, of uh, bike packers, and it created a lot of curiosity and uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, interesting chats with some of the locals. It was pretty funny. It's funny, just in the last like couple minutes of you talking, you've just been encapsulating everything about bike packing <laughs> just in those two minutes, like from the. From the, the, the joy of moving quickly over land to the waking up in the middle of the night soaking wet to, you know, dirt bagging it in a in a laundromat to the the interactions yeah. with people and the landscapes and the Yeah, and you just got a big shit eating grin on your face. So it's like people you know, you call it suffering, right? And I suppose oh, there can be, but at the same time we're so uh we don't give ourselves enough credit for our uh strength and our ability to push through that kind of stuff you know yeah 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 and you know the the town that i was going to um had a laundromat like it was right on main street it was just like oh there's the laundromat right it was uh yeah it was it was it was an interesting i felt silly because i thought like um I, I could have avoided if I, I would have avoided all of that if I just continued on that night and it was all downhill. Like it would have been fine, but anyways, live and learn. Yeah. That's sometimes yeah, you're just probably just listening to your body. Your body wanted to shut her down and you know, yeah. Some, yeah. Sometimes the body just wins. <laughs> well, I had stopped to filter water um, because I didn't have any water uh, since um, that morning and so I stopped to filter water, and as I filter water, and then I was cold soaking my um, my food. So then I was cold soaking that, and you know, you stop, and it was 7:30, and I thought it was kind of early, but whatever, I'll get up super early in the morning and start riding. Um, you know, after five hours of sleep, and uh, yeah, I could have whatever. <laughs> you know could have should have would have whatever yeah it's funny think back about all these things that we could have should have would have done but it doesn't really matter <laughs> no it, on the scheme of it all no it doesn't no, it's the yeah. path that you chose in this in yeah. this particular event yeah. yeah i think it's the only way you can really enjoy it i think you need to add a bit of 
like when you say five hours sleep, it's like, that's pretty deluxe actually. You know, if you can cover a lot mm-hmm. of mileage and get that amount of sleep, um, that's pretty nice. Uh, that's I tried, I try to get at least four hours every night. And so do you, and, do you shut her down obviously like by at least by, uh, 11 to get, yeah. get up at three. Yeah. So 11 is kind of your rhythm kind of thing. Yeah. Well, usually I shut it down, try to shut it down around 10, 11, I guess, you know, it depends on when you get to that next, um, point. Um, like I came into one town and I was trying to find a place cause you just, I'm, I was just stealth bivying everywhere. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of going through town. It's a small, very small town. There's nothing going on. Little, you know, young boys coming up the street. It was late. <laughs> it was kind of dark. <laughs> and I said, where can I, where do you think I can sleep here? And I said, is there, a, I said, is there a school? And he said, yeah, there's a school. I said, do you think I would mind? He goes, no, I don't think so. And this boy was probably 10 years old. Just out wandering around? Thinking, Yes, and I'm thinking, okay, this is weird. So I went and found the school and bivvied up behind the propane tanks at the school. <laughs> I thought it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's nice. Got lots of shelter and privacy. It, it was it was shelter. I had propane tanks. I could you know put my gear on yeah. in the morning and because I, I do like a picnic table. That's pretty deluxe. Yeah, to have a picnic table. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I went off course um, going up over Rogers Pass, um, coming out of Lincoln, and uh, Crowell, the uh, race uh, um, designer, or route designer, he uh, had said between this mile and this mile, so like 475 miles and like say 500 miles, don't like try not to bivy up in that area because it's grizzly country. And so I come up over Rogers Pass, and um, my Garmin had told me, I knew there was a gravel section, and my Garmin was indicating to turn right at like four miles up the road, whatever. Um, So I turned right and uh, started going down this gravel section, and I had my music going because I was trying to make some noise. And it was was pretty late, like it was, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, and then my garment saying you're off route so i turn around and i get up to the road that i was um originally on and then of course i i start climbing going back up the route again start climbing start descending on the other side and i thought you know this isn't right so i turned around climbed again oh man came back down <laughs> and then and then it's still telling me to turn right and i'm thinking this is not correct so i you know i check my map out and uh, I go and I, I figured I'm just going to take the most direct route to this next town. I had actually called ahead and got a uh, got a hotel room or a motel room in this in this town, Augusta, and because uh, I needed to charge all of my devices, everything was dead. And I started um, uh, down this main main route and i'm like i'm just going to go straight to augusta i've screwed this section up i don't know what i did wrong then my garment's telling me to turn right off of this road and i thought well maybe this is that gravel road and i could see all these lights and i thought this actually looks like a subdivision so i turn right and i go into this area and then i'm looking around I'm like 
where am I? What the hell is this? <laughs> and so I pull out my map. I'm in the Hutterite colony. Uh. <laughs> I was like trying now to get out of the Hutterite colony. So I get back, finally get back out onto the road, start heading toward Augusta and like all of my devices now are on dead. I have 5% left on my phone. Oh, so I ended up turning no. my phone off and then my headlight went out. Oh, jeez, Trish. was black. Like, it was instantly black. I had, a, I had a little headlamp that I just needed to save the battery. So, you know, I basically <laughs> hid my bike in the ditch because uh, it was uh, had reflect, has reflective tape all over it. So I kind of hid that in the, in the tall grass and bivvied up in the ditch and <laughs> laid there and waited until I could hear the coyotes calling in the morning and as soon as I heard the coyotes calling I got up and by the time I had my gear packed up I could see the white line on the road <laughs> going, but oh my just, god the craziest thing though was I um I laid there and I just thought of this hotel room or this motel room and how amazing it was going to feel to get in the room, get all my stinky gear off, recharge, have something hot to eat. And I just laid there and just thought about this room and what it was going to look like. Um, when I got to the room, the room was almost identical to exactly how I thought it was going to look. It was, <laughs> I awesome. walked into it and I went, this is unbelievable. It's I like just, you manifested it. Exactly. It was, it was amazing. That's it, so weird. Yeah. I, I think I fell asleep for about an hour. And so I get to this town. I, you know, I, I got there at seven in the morning, check out that 10. I, you know, put on my sad face and said, can I stay till at least noon? I just need to shower. And they let me stay till noon. And um, I still wasn't able to fully recharge all of my devices in that time. Uh, that's a whole other story. The power packs I had were annoying. Oh, no. um, go to this, go to this uh, coffee shop and I'm telling this lady, I said, Oh yeah, you know, I bivvied up and slept in the ditch. And, and uh, she's like, Oh, this is grizzly country. She said, we had a grizzly here a couple months back that had killed nine cows just for the sake of killing the nine cows. Oh, so, so I'm telling her this story and then I looked down and on the counter is a sticker and I bought it of course and it said, but did you die? <laughs> did it have like a bear attack graphic or was it just, but did you die? <laughs> it just says, but did you die? Oh my God. I said, okay, I got to grab that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In around there, hey, it's all grizzly country. That's that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, I... I um, at that, before that, I was living off of uh, bean burritos. I discovered the the amazing taste of a bean burrito. That a frozen bean burrito mm. from Conoco goes a yeah, long way. Sure do. A couple <laughs> days, maybe three days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you push it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Um, how many days did it take you to finish it? Seven days and twenty three hours. So that's like, and I, I don't know. Um, like, Kyle doesn't have the time bonuses posted yet. So, oh, uh, what are the time? How do you get the time bonuses? 
Uh, so time bonuses, um, there's certain locations where you have to stop and um, have pie. And oh, I've heard about this. You have pie and ice cream. Yes, yes. And then they also have missile silos. So the missile silos are quite, quite interesting. Uh, so the missile silos, you stop, you take a picture of them, of the number that's on the missile silo. And so you get uh, half hour time off if the missile silo is off of the road and you have to like travel, you know, half a mile, um, then you get a full hour off your time. Um, and then, yeah, so one of the mornings I did not, I was going by like, it was, I don't know, four in the morning, 4.30 in the morning. And I saw this very ominous, tall cone structure and I could hear this buzzing. And I believe it was one of the silos that I had to travel half a mile off the road. And as I went by it, I went, nope, I'm good. I'm just gonna like, it was, a, it, it did not give me a mm. very comfortable energy, let's just say. I, I just, get it. It, looked, it just seemed very, I don't know, I just left and went, okay, I, I forgo that, those points, I'm good. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think Megan Hackenden talked about this. this. This sounds familiar, actually, with the with the eating pie and checking out missile silos, I think. Yeah, that would oh, be, yeah. that is weird energy. Are they active missile silos? Oh, yeah. How, yeah, do, how yeah, can you get even are... get, how do you get close to them? How do they let people um, get close they're, to them? They're gated. They're gated. And then, uh, so they're all chain linked. And then, um, so there's an entry. Um, some of the, some of the um, chain linked um, um, areas have a gate pre, pre the, the area. Um, so yeah, I just, yeah, just stop. And if it was dark, I would shine my bike light on the sign and then, because they're all numbered. Right. Um, but yeah, no, they are, they are active, whether they work, Jeez. um, I don't think they've tested them. So I think some of them are pretty old. So whether they work or not, who knows, but I, I, I often wonder, cause I, I'm sure as I'm riding up to it and, you know, laying my bike down and hanging out, I'm, I'm sure I'm being watched. Yeah, you could be certain of that. Yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, if if the field and I hope the field gets bigger next year, I hope that um, more people take advantage of this opportunity to do this race because it is Montana is stunning. It's so beautiful, and it's not a it's not a difficult race. Like there's not there's no real technical parts to it. Um, you know, I think 30% of it is gravel where it seemed like there was a lot more gravel than 30%. Like I felt like I was on a gravel road the whole fucking time. <laughs> well, you mean gravel and paved? Yeah, it's a mixture of gravel and pavement. And only 30% uh, dirt? Huh. That's a lot yeah, of pavement, which, hey? It, it well, There was quite a bit of pavement, which I think ended up causing some issues. Um, I still have numbness in mm. the pads of my hand like in the, in the middle part. And I lost some uh, ability to do anything really tactile with my hands um, because I had my, my uh, tires just jacked right? because of the pavement. I think not only that, but when you're on the road, you're just locked into one position. Like there's not, there's not yeah. as much English. You're not kind of maneuvering the bike and standing up. You just, you're just sitting <laughs> in that horrible position <laughs> and just grinding yeah. it out so bad yeah. for your body i was saying that actually i went for a ride last night and 
while I was, I was actually sending someone a message and I went from pavement to gravel and it was just like, I stopped in my conversation. So, you know, like that feeling, like that feeling you get when you go from like pavement to gravel, it's just, it feels better. Yeah. <laughs> it just feels yeah, so much I better. And, I know. And when you have gravel tires on, they don't roll that great on the pavement. So you feel like you're getting sucked into the pavement. Mm. Yeah. I like gravel. <laughs> and it kind of it kind of goes the other way too because I remember coming off sections of like hundred miles of washboard on the divide and you'd get to some pavement and then you were just like oh yeah yeah this is where I want to be right now <laughs> like it's just so smooth. Oh. Oh, yeah. There was a there was a section between Geraldine and Geyser and it was um, it was one of those you know uh, ten kilometer climbs it was very arid and dry and it was hot like I completely blistered my lips my yeah anyways it was it was hot so I'm doing this last climb and I'm on the gravel and I had my head down and just kind of grinding it out and then all of a sudden I hit pavement and it was so unexpected and I looked up and it was this green oasis (laughs) and there was it was like it was amazing it was like from what it was like, it was, you know, the map was just split right in half. It was arid on this side and green oasis so on this side. It was, it was an amazing feeling. It yeah. was an amazing feeling just to look up and go, oh, I'm out of that. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't, you don't realize that what's, what does Courtney DeWalter call that? Like kind of the pain cave where you just kind of disappear into the, oh, into the ether yeah. and just, just keep pushing your bike forward and you're not, you've got yeah. your head down and you yeah. look at you look at gravel for like a couple hours. You're just like trudging, <laughs> and then to look up and see that like almost it like was, color you, you overblown. Can, yeah, you can smell the water. <laughs> yeah. It just it oh, like literally funny. made me cry. <laughs> I'm out of it. I'm so excited. Oh my god. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. it, it's like yeah, the most beautiful thing you've seen. That's yeah. that ups and downs things, right? Like you you think you get to a point where you just don't know if you can do it, but it's like if you just push on for for just a little bit further, you know? Yeah. I think after, after day, the day one, I was like, what did I get myself into? This is horrible. And then after the day one, everything just sort of fell into place. So I never really felt like, oh, what am I doing? Um, Tour divides a little different because you know that it's weeks yeah. of riding. It isn't, it isn't. I mean, it, yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's just instead of being like, you know, sh- crushed into three days or crushed into seven days or crushed into 10, it's like yeah. it's stretched out a lot longer. But yeah, yeah no, it's uh, that's that's beautiful train. I, I hope to be going down to Whitefish in a couple of weeks, actually, and doing the, oh, cool. the Tamarack Loop. I'm hoping. Um, oh, good for you. Yeah, I think I want to do that. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. It's because I haven't like I did the buckshot. And then I just haven't done anything. I haven't like just kids and work yeah. and, and uh, like I've just, now that, now that the kids are back in school, I never realized the gravity of this time when you, you've had the kids for summer holidays and it's just the balancing of all of that. And then suddenly when they go back to school, how good it feels. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's, a bit, there's a bit of structure now. And, oh my God. Yeah. It's just like, now you got to go to work. You go to work. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working all summer. 
<laughs> I know it's a it's a it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to balance. But yeah. and and then keeping them engaged as well, and then keeping yourself engaged. It's a yeah, lot. It is a lot. Yeah, it's it's a ton. But yeah, now that they're back in school, it's just like just feels decompressed. So now I've been like, uh, like going for rides and even, I think even, even having a podcast scheduled and going for a ride anyway, just adds urgency to the ride, which kind of makes it more fun. Cause I got a race to get back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good for you for getting it in. Oh, just trying to, I'm just trying to ramp that up. And of course, fat bike season's coming too. And that's just, you have to train for that. You've got to be in shape to ride fat bikes. Yeah, I've been taking, uh, I took, uh, I think, 10 days off, um, and then I went and did my first cross skills night last week, and uh, there's a cross midweek race tomorrow, and then I might do a cross race on Sunday, but I'm not, um, I, I'm not really going to push it too much, uh, just, you know, um the schedules get so busy you always feel like you're just going 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 and uh you know i've uh i spent close to a year preparing for big sky like heavy schedule and sticking to my training schedules so it's kind of nice to have a little bit of unstructuredness for september and i'm enjoying it that's awesome (laughs) i mean sure it goes without asking but like uh, how did you can, can you compare and contrast how you felt 12 months ago when you started training to how you feel like, like you, you yeah, were already, uh, you're, I, you're kind of getting after it anyway. Like you're pretty active. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's different when, you know, when you have, uh, I made a gold, a gold card and every day I wrote out my gold card, exactly how my race was going to go. Um, and this is, you know, I'm going to finish it in this many days. The weather's going to be amazing. The sun's going to be on my face. The wind's going to be on my back. Like, I wrote this every day. And uh, how key that is because you get into this um, fear state. Like, who am I to think that I can go and do this? And having, like, I, do, I took my goal card with me. Can't tell you how many times I kissed it while I was on yeah. course. <laughs> That's really um, that's really interesting um, yeah, modality to it, get ready. It, yeah, and so when I was training for it, um, I realized that you know you had to have that physical preparation, and the whole for me it's all about the preparation. Like I love training for something, and then you get up to the event, you're like, holy shit! Now I actually have to do it. Like I can't keep just training it's like a student you know who wants to just continue to go to school but then to mm. actually work in their in their uh, you know trained choice they're like oh i want to go it's to like, work i want to keep going to school it's like, oh yeah well you're gonna to have to prove it now <laughs> now it's yeah, time to prove yeah. it <laughs> yeah that's cool though so right? i was actually i was actually quite surprised um because with the endurance you just you just keep going and going and going and you know you don't have uh where your body's going into this anaerobic state. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I went and did my first cross uh, skills night, holy shit. You're pinned. Just, like, You're pinned like all night. I was, it was amazing. Like my saddle sores hadn't quite healed yet. And it was like, but the strength in my legs and it was awesome. And I thought if I can just keep this going. Uh, but in the other sense, I just sort of, I just, want to slow down a little bit and you know spend time with my grandkids yeah. and visit my mom and 
yeah. Uh, who do you train with? Uh, with Ryan. You do train with Ryan. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't sure. So, um, how, how, like just briefly tell me how is it working with Ryan? Is he really adaptable at at creating or really adept at creating a schedule that fits your life kind of thing? Yeah. You know, I've been, uh, training with Ryan, uh, I think three years. And so he, he, he knows what my, my lifestyle is. Um, but I really like, this was super important to me. So I really made my life fit the training schedule. And a lot of times it, w- it was difficult, especially during tax season, but I just stuck with it. And, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of communication um, personally. He would just prepare the training program and I would just do it. <laughs> and, you know, put my comments in on training peaks and he would comment back a little bit. And um, yeah, it was, I just, you know, did what he told me to do and yeah. it worked. <laughs> I, I think that discipline is so um, important, right? Like I don't think a lot of people, I think that would be hard for me to stick to something like that. It really would. Yeah. I feel like it would, but I also feel like um, we could all benefit from a bit of structure like that. You know, mm-hmm. just having that daily goal, the goal sheets is a, that's a really interesting thing too. It's like almost journaling your way up to the event you know, mm-hmm. in a positive way to like, just create that positive mindset. Mm-hmm. Why was this race so important to you? Um, so when I first thought, you know, it, it's sort of like the Epic when I did the Epic or the AR, there's just something when, when you hear about a race and it just sparks something mm-hmm. in you and you go, I'm going to go do that. And so when I usually say I'm going to do something, then I then my focus is on that, and that's what I'm going to do. And uh, this race was important to me because um, that spark was triggered when I when Jim Folsom put together a, like some YouTube video, and I watched it, and it wasn't exactly, it didn't, the video didn't make the race look very desirable. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it, it was kind of like uh, it looked like he was in a soccer fest. But for some reason, there was just this spark, and I said, I'm going to go do this. And then realizing that it was out of the country, I've never done a race outside of the country, and it was 900 miles, and I really had no idea what the train would be like. Um, I didn't, you know, I didn't spend a whole lot of time studying the course. Uh, there wasn't a lot of time in my, I guess, you know, you can always make time for everything. Um, depends on what your level of importance is attached to it. But um, I just really focused on the training and just needed to make sure that I was at that level. And so when you start investing in it, and then I wrote a goal card and said, by this date, I'm going to be crossing the finish line. And I'm so happy and grateful that I am. Um, it just, became it's i don't know it just became something i I just really desired that's cool and yeah and now i feel that way about the bt i want to i want to do the bt 700 i've been wanting to do it since 2020 2020 was the year i was going to do it and covid shut that down right yeah and i think we 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 chatted about that it's like yeah let's get in the westie and go (laughs) (laughs) yeah just take me with you let's do it so i think in 2024 i'm gonna do the bt 
Yeah. 700 plus, of course, the extra loop. That's Take me with you. Let's go. Let's fucking do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring the mics. I'll bring the mics and we'll do podcasts every day. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a blast. Yeah. No, it would just, for me, it's, it's like the way you felt about, um, have you ridden anywhere else other than Alberta and BC? And, and nope. now Montana. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I talk about the same shit all the time. And then when you do something that's outside of your own comfort zone, it adds a bit of like, you know, something, something. Mm-hmm. And then, so that's what I feel like about you know, like going riding in Ontario because it's kind of that Northern section is my old haunt. Right. So we'd kind of be going yeah. through places where I grew up and, uh, and that's really attractive to me. Yeah. To do something like that. It'd be fun. Yeah, or, it's or been on it's been on my radar for a while, and I don't know if it's like the butter tart. Yeah. <laughs> I do like I do, I like butter tarts and with raisins. I'm one of those people. Oh, you're the raisin <laughs> kind, huh? Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, so it's something that's been on my radar, and um, they're like, uh, you know, I I think I had mentioned that I was going to do the tour divide in 2024, um, but I feel like it's that's going to be a 2025 race for me i feel that i still there's still um opportunities to be had and opportunities to learn more Mm. uh and throwing myself take myself to ontario right um getting myself out of that comfort zone by not being close to home will really help with my mindset going into the tour divide but that's definitely on my list yeah, I want to do it again. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I remember, mm-hmm. I remember finishing and wanting to actually. Man, if I had the time, I'd just turn around and go back. That's that's what I felt yeah. like then. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, ask me the next day. It's like, what the fuck? I should just go back. What am I doing? Yeah, yeah. See this uh, big sky spectacular. Um, now that I know the route a little bit better, and because I had I had originally wanted to do it in five days. Like I was set to do it in five days. I had uh, my um, my uh, schedule structured to complete it in five days, but once you get you know 40 miles behind on the first day, and then you get another you know um, something didn't happen correctly, or you lose 90 minutes from a logistical error here, and it all adds up. And um, I think by day three, I realized it wasn't attainable to get it done in five days. And so I just let that go. Um, but with uh, the BT 700, like I know, like I something I never knew about myself is that I can actually ride 24 hours. And the last day I rode 24 hours. I was up at 5:35 and on the road at 5:35, and I came into Bozeman the next day at 5:35 a.m. Like uh, yeah, you rode through the night. Like just yeah. kept it chugging through the night. Like, yeah. I rode, yeah, um, probably three hours off the bike through resupply and farting around. I had, you know, my right, um, <laughs> the battery on my right shifter uh, went dead. And so I'm trying to, thank goodness I had a battery for it. Uh, there was like the last night, of course, I always have these tales of adversity and crazy things happening and yeah that the battery went dead i had one battery 2035 or 2032 or whatever it is um for the shifter but i had no idea 
where the battery went in the shifter. So luckily enough, I had uh, cell service so I could YouTube on, <laughs> <laughs> on a replace my battery when I had oh, no real function in my hands at oh, that time. Yeah. So Such I'm a trying struggle. to get that, that battery out of the, out of the packaging. I was, Oh man. So it's just those little, you know, those, um, those little moments that sucked some time from me and, uh, uh, you know, perversely enough when I rode the 24 hours and I finished, I, I, I almost felt like I, I kind of wanted to push past the 24 hours still to ride into the morning to see if I would get that recharge mm -hmm. from the sun to maybe ride 36 hours. Yeah. Cause physically I didn't feel like by the time I got off the bike, of course I'm like, okay, I'm done. Take my bike. I don't want to see it for like another week. Um, no. but reverse, like I, I did feel like I still could have kept riding. It was you, weird. You just get it. Now you just get into that rhythm, right? Of doing it. Yeah. It, you, you had you nailed the fuel. You nailed the rest the day before, like everything just kind of aligns. Yeah. Yeah. That's an experience. I, I like riding through the night. Um, so do I. In the green so tunnel. I. Like just, you just have the tunnel and can't really see anything. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, would you do that again? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because. For me, um, it's like doing races that I've done before, the Epic, and, you know, um, I think that there's a lot of races out there, and uh, to redo one, you know, when there's so many opportunities to do other races, mm -hmm. so, I, I would if I wanted to get under that five days, if it, or five days, if it was that important to me, I would probably go and do it again, but, um I think I'll just do BT uh, 700, do gravel races next year, and then um, get myself physically and mentally prepared for the Tour Divide. So that's that's a huge, you know, that's a huge commitment over the next couple of years. So um, to redo races. Yeah, I get it. I, I like, you know, the Epic is nice. I, I, I would I would redo the Epic again, but I just think that there's just so much opportunity to do other. And that's the whole point of it, right? I never realized how beautiful Montana was. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and, you know, if your listeners are Trump fans, sorry, but, um, you know, I, I had this odd um, mental picture about Montana and it's the red state. And, you know, you just, uh, yeah, you create opinions that are biased. And the people in Montana were so friendly I got the I got the Montana wave down pat on my handlebars. <laughs> Everybody waved. Everybody waved at you and, you know, could you help me? And there was um, a couple of times where I had to knock on the door of a farmhouse and ask for water. And they were like, oh, you know, do you want a gate? I have a Gatorade. Do you want a Gatorade? And I'll fill your water bottles with ice. And just the most amazing like people were so incredibly kind and very friendly and they gave me so 80 miles an hour is the speed limit on the state highways wow that's fast fast jeez but they gave you so much space they 
they gave you so much space. They were, it was so good. Um, just really changed my opinion. So I think that that's important to get yourself into other, um, yeah, other parts of the country, other parts of, you know, uh, the continent. Uh, I would love to, you know, like Doug, <laughs> Silk Road. Yeah. That's always been on my radar. I'm extremely excited to hear uh, his um, his story from that because uh, it's been on my radar. But, you know, there you have cultural differences. You have language differences. It takes That's a whole other element that takes you out of your comfort zone. And, and you get to see, it's an excuse to go see a beautiful part of the world right and yeah and i think i agree with the thing you said about we we have a huge misconception of of americans up here in canada i think with the media that we're fed and what we see you know what what we're seeing come out of the states um you know when i worked in whistler for many years I, i got a bad impression because um you know we see the uh the more privileged Americans would be hanging out and coming and renting skis and whatnot. And they're the way they deal with people is, is a kind of can be disrespectful, but yeah, it's nothing, but it's it, what I find really funny. I was just talking about this today, but you'll cross, you'll cross the border in, from the Canada to the U S and then, I mean, obviously we have accents cause we're Canadians, but the accent change is so abrupt. And then, and then everyone, yeah, you're yeah, right. And then everyone's calling you hun. Oh yeah, sure. Hun. Yeah. Oh yeah, honey honey pie they're just so endearing like everything's just so lovely right and so i agree yeah and they they everybody says good morning and hi and and you know what gave me not to get onto a political subject here um but it gave me some insight as to um why they are pushing back and are you know the trump supporters and i don't mean to you know um, is because it's not complicated to live your life. You don't have to have so much overreach. Like I was in one of the towns and I'm sitting on, you know, like a, like a dirty dirt bag bike packer sitting on the street eating my lunch from the grocery store sandwich or whatever. And uh, I'm sitting on, you know, the sidewalk and down Main Street comes Dad and his six-year-old son. His six-year-old son's driving the quad. Dad's sitting on the back. He doesn't have his hands on the steering wheel or on the on the handlebars, and neither one of them have helmets. And they're going down Main Street, and I'm like, it's not complicated. Like, it's not like somebody's gonna come speeding around the corner. This is small town Montana, yeah. and what you know is happens maybe in Whitefish is, is maybe different than. Um, you know, Geraldine or whatever, like it's small town. And I get it. Like you start to um, appreciate where they're coming from and they're all, they're all ranchers. They all live off the land still. Um, you, you start to get a different appreciation that you just wouldn't get unless you were embedded in that environment. And that makes the whole, the whole political landscape so much more complicated to me right because you've got such a such a spectrum of people there are the people that like that who don't want the overreach and who just want to live their lives and just you know make a living and then you've got like on the whole other end of the spectrum like people who just want the regulations and the rules and the you know lock it down and 
shut it yeah. down and and it's it's as, as a society we can't function unless we're we're policed to death and yeah. and i really got that impression um from them there yeah but yeah nothing i i, I every there was one interaction in butte that was just kind of a bit sketchy but every single person i met was always just kind and do you have Super any tra- kind. trail magic on that route or Oh, tons. <laughs> yeah, just, um, yeah, uh, you know, trail magic. I just think it was just gifts from the universe. Like, um, you know, the laundromat in, in Anaconda. So I have to tell you a story. So I ended up getting some saddle store issues. And uh, I went into Anaconda, which is the town that was part of the reroute. Like, it wasn't even on the original on the original route. And... Um, I uh, went to one of the bike shops there and I walk in and uh, it's a newer bike shop. And I said, you know, do you have any chamois cream? And the uh, owner of the bike shop said, "Uh, no, I don't use chamois cream. And I thought to myself, okay, that's nice. And he goes, actually, I don't even wear a chamois. And I thought, okay. And so we were chatting, whatever. In the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm the customer. It's not about you. (laughs) And uh, so I bought a water bottle from them and then, because uh, I thought it was the only bike shop in town. And so then I went to the pharmacy, whatever, and got some, I don't know, like Monistat chafing cream or whatever. Like I'm grasping at straws here, what I can get. Oh, I asked him, I said, I said, is there an egg store in town, an agricultural store? He goes, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and I'm looking at him going, okay, all right, I'm just going to end this conversation now. Um, so then went back to the laundromat, got my gear, got it all packed. I'm leaving town. And as I'm leaving town, a uh, shop catches me out of the corner of my eye. And it was uh, a bike shop. Sven's Bike Shop, it was called. So I thought, oh, my gosh, there's another bike shop. I go into the bike shop. There's Sven. He's this... Old guy, long beard. He's got. Are you there? Yeah, I can still hear you, but but I lost your video. Oh shoot! Sorry. Um, So there's Sven who is in the bike shop, and uh, um, you know, long beard, hat on backwards. He's got like a super cycle up on the rack, and his bike shop was cluttered. So I go in and I said, do you have any chamois cream? And so he, he has this glass case and he digs into the underneath it and he's got, you know, papers, whatever, pulls out this jar. It's got dust on it. <laughs> so he gives me this jar and I said, oh, okay. I said, that, this is amazing. And I like, I don't, he goes, it works really well. It's a lanolin cream. It doesn't like uh, get absorbed into the chamois and it doesn't get absorbed into your skin, it will stay where it's supposed to stay. And so I said, well, how much is it? And so he pulls, like, I'm I'm in a rush. Like I've spent way too much time in town already. He pulls out this long inventory ledger and he starts flipping through it. It's a handwritten (laughs) inventory ledger. And so I grabbed 20 bucks out of my pocket and I, uh, I uh, said to him, I go, do you mind if I just use your washroom? And he goes, oh, yeah, that's what it's there for. So while well, he's still looking through his inventory ledger. And so I go use it, you know, go in the bathroom and come back out. And he goes, I think it'll be 20 bucks. And I had already had the 20 bucks. So I, I gave it to him. And the stuff worked amazing. Yeah. 
I, it worked amazing. And then I thought, was Sven even real? Like, <laughs> was, it, was it all just an illusion? Was it all an illusion? You know, so when I got back and Mike and I were coming back from Montana and I actually had to like Google the bike shop to say, was this real? Or, you know, it was, it was one of those moments. And if it wasn't for him, like, I, I don't know if I would have even finished the race. Like, he saved my ass. Like, seriously. <laughs> Literally <laughs> saved your ass. Literally. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So that was some trail magic. Um, you know, just the goodness of people, just the kindness of people. Uh, you know, just you, you, I came into Geraldine and sat on Main Street. And, of course, it's a small town and dirt roads um, for streets streets are kind of dug wow, up eh? and yeah cattle fences all around where it's dug up like it was it was small town and this gentleman sits beside me this old guy and he's eating an ice cream and he says do you mind if i sit with you and i said sure yeah and he sat with me and then he gave me a, a history lesson on louis Riel's connection with fort benton which was the town i was just in and he's explaining the canadian connection to fort benton with me and it was just one of those moments where it just, you know, you just smile inside and you go, yeah, this is worth it. This is really cool. And it's those moments where you, you just take, just think if you had a different mentality, you would have excused yourself and laughed and you would have missed out on that, right? Exactly. You know, like just to take the time to absorb that, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You don't you don't want to be an asshole coming into these towns. Like people are asking you questions, you, you know, one lady, she goes, my gosh, you're just amazing. Can I shake your hand? And I said, <laughs> I don't think you want to. Like, literally, I smell like garbage. Like, <laughs> I don't think you and She goes, no, no, I'll shake your hand. And so she shook my hand. And, and you're like, oh, I would go wash your hand if I were you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't know where that's been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny yeah. we don't... Um, um, we don't look up to our elders like a lot of other cultures do, you know, like when, when that man sits beside you, you know, some other person might just not want to hear it. Right. Or didn't want to, don't want to give them the, but there's so much knowledge there. Right. Yeah. Like I was, yeah. I mean, this is in Canada, but I was in, uh, salmon, salmon arm, I think. And, uh, I went into like a, a Timmy's and, uh, an elderly lady was coming out and I opened the door for her and, and she got out and she's like, can I give you a, a sticker? And I'm like, I think it was a sticker, but she wanted to give me this thing. Like, no, it was a card. And it said, salmon arm welcomes you, you know, thanks for visiting us. It was just this, cause I was kind. Right. And I talked yeah. to her a little bit, but she gave me this little, I don't know, like an ambassador card as a, as a gift of thanks for just being a good human, you know, like, yeah. like there's so much of that, um, that love coming out of, of that community that we should be more receptive to, you know, mm -hmm. and listen to them mm -hmm. and respect them. And cool. yeah, no, that's cool. It's a cool experience. Tell me another story. You've had lots of great stories. Tell me some more. <laughs> um, oh, uh, so the grab challenge last year, I don't know if we, we had, we hadn't spoke. Oh, I guess I did the grab challenge last year yeah. in 2022. I forgot about that where I got, um, into the field of with the cows and i ended up getting surrounded by cows and then i got 
the farmer stopped me and because he saw me on video uh, going through his field and oh, no. was like, what are you doing in my field? And I said, I'm going to bike race. So anyways, this year, um, so because the cows like to follow you because they, they see your headlight and it was dark. Okay, it was 11 o'clock at night. So all the cows are following me and I'm just <laughs> terrified. I just want to get the fuck out of there. Like, I, when, when I got over that fence and got out of there, I was so happy because when you shine your headlight around, all you see is eyeballs because they're all bedded down and they're all staring at you and I just wanted to get out of there. So this year, um, this what it was the last night, of course, and uh, I get into this um, road. So Mike and I had actually pre-drove this road and it had a little bit of moisture on it and the van was literally going sideways because it gets greasy, greasy when it gets even slightly wet. And the last night I was leaving um, uh, White Sulphur Springs and I was chasing a storm. So I wasn't exactly sure what it was going to look like when I got up there. So anyways, I'm chasing the storm. I get up to this section. It would, If it was wet, it would have been peanut butter mud. It would have been brutal, but it was dry. And I was like, hallelujah, man, this is awesome. I'm gonna get through here. And by the time I get in the middle of it, it's going to be dark and I'm going to get out of here. Well, I get in there and uh, they're range cows. Anyways, there's two young, I think it's Angus, very like black, black uh, bulls. These two young Angus bulls. Great. And, and they've got their heads down and they're making these like... Like at you? Sounds. At you? Yeah. Because like oh, I, I, I kept going, Ch -ch -ch, like, get away. You know, like trying to be a farmer, like go, and uh, and they weren't moving. This, I, so I have a picture of of the bull, like right in the middle of the road, no passing, like you're not going by. So then there was the other one came up, and they're both calling, and there's you know I'm thinking, and there's cows around. So these two dudes are horny, like. I don't know why I do these races in August because that's when the bulls are in with the cows. Oh, is that right? So anyways, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I, I, so I was, you know, trying to figure out how am I going to get around these bulls? And then I realized, well, I'm going to hike my fan or my bike over. There was a, a field and it had a fence and it was a pasture. So I hiked my um, bike over that fence and basically went into a whole other field to do this whole bypass around this bull these bulls to finally get back on the road to continue on and after that there was no more cows it was great and then uh so that was that was that and of course we're still um i'm still chasing this storm and uh it's it's dark like it's late now it's probably 11 o'clock or so 12 o'clock at night and there was one section where I had to climb. And when I got to the top of this, uh, it was a little town, and then you had to take this gravel section up, and then you would ride along the top of this range. And uh, um, it was sprinkling, and kind of, it had rain through there, and the, the mud had gotten quite thick. And um, uh, Crowell, who is the race uh, designer, he actually texted me, and he said, it could be pretty gnarly up there. And I had, um, you know, I don't really pay attention to my tax, and, but I had seen it and I thought, no, it's actually not too bad. It's pretty dry. So then I get a little bit further and a little bit further and all of a sudden I get into that muck and it just seized onto my wheels. 
I'm basically now dragging my bike because my wheels aren't turning. <laughs> and I can see there's a storm, you know, coming along. And I'm up on top of this range, and it's dark. Like, I can't see anything. And so as I'm up on top of there, the lightning struck, and it was this flash of lavender, like this purple-violet flash, and everything around me lit up. Oh, wow. And I just went, holy shit, I got to get off this range. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, drag the bike, go back down. I had to do this whole reroute section. Or I would have been up there for days. It was because it it was raining. It, it it Bozeman I think got more rain in those few days than it has seen probably all year. Of course, um, yeah. So that was that was enlightening to say the least. Wow, <laughs> like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, but you know, lots of things happen on the trail and uh, lots of good stories as usual. But I did not die, so here I am. <laughs> but did you die? That blue, or sorry, the green eyeball thing just took me back to that time on the Epic where it, it almost you almost told the exact same story. It's like I, basically a bunch of farmer's fields, went through the wrong gate, and then it's dark. My, my dynamo is not working because I'm walking, and I've got my headlamp. I'm looking around, and I see cow shit everywhere. And think, I think I'm just in the middle of a field, and I look up but all the cows were standing up mm-hmm. like later. I, I, I didn't know they were cows at the time, but there were all these like, like orbs at six feet kind of all around me. And then a couple of them were like moving toward me, but you can't hear them moving and you can't see them because they're black as night. And uh, I, I was like kind of tripping. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay. It's, it's like, I've been riding for like, again, like 24 hours through the night or whatever. And it's just, you can't, you can't reconcile it. There's that moment where you just can't reconcile and then you just get the right angle. And it's like, oh, it's a bunch of cows. But then that feels creepy because there's all these other animals around you in the middle of the night and it's just oh, weird. Oh, yeah. it's so funny. Yeah, I like. I, I think I'm used to the cows, but, um, you know, it's, it is. It's, it's not a good, it's not comforting. Like, I just, I want to be out of there. I, I, I you know, I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I don't know how they behave. My mom, my mom always says she grew up on a farm. She's like, oh, they won't bother you. They're fine. But these bulls, man, I'm not too yeah. sure what they were doing. They were putting their heads down and they were making some funky sounds. And yeah. Yeah, and it can I be think, dangerous. I think they maybe thought I wanted their women. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're I'm, just... like, I'm not fighting you for them. They're all yours. <laughs> yeah. Don't mind me. I'm just going to go around. Yeah. I am no threat to you. Oh, that's so funny. I'm going yeah. to shift gears a little bit because sure. I thought I saw you post something about your sobriety. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. sure. Um, yeah. how, how many years have you been sober? It was three years this April 14th. So three years yeah. ago, wh- where was Trish Holt three years ago? Um, uh, Trish Holt was feeling pretty down on herself. Yeah. And, um, I have, uh, alcohol has been a problem in my life since the day I was born. And, Mm. um, I just, I woke up one morning and said, I'm not doing this anymore. It was, uh, you know, (laughs) middle, middle of taxis on April 14th. I woke up and I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. I went to my computer 
I, um, you know, Googled online therapist and because we were right in COVID at that time. And uh, yeah, I just, it, I had just made a definite decision at that time that I was not going to drink anymore. It was out of my life. I had, uh, I wanted to give my family and my grandkids the gift of my sobriety. And of course, most importantly, myself, the gift of my sobriety. Was there a kind of a turning point that, that night before you, you went to bed? Oh yeah. I, I, um, yeah, I, so I had made, um, uh, what was it? Saskatoon berry vodka. And I don't know what it was, but I think I drank, uh, like 500 milliliters of this, like by myself of this vodka and it was loaded with sugar because it was a homemade brew thing. I don't even know why. It was just, I had a shot. I was by myself, had a shot, had a shot, had a shot. And then I woke up the next morning and I felt like garbage. And then that was just like, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and I don't even know how I fitted it in my life. Um, hindsight, right? I just, I don't even know how I... And then, then I was feeling, you know, sometimes when I would do that, I would have this imposter syndrome, like, you know, people see me as this professional accountant. And of course, my friends knew who <laughs> I was when I was, uh, uh, you know, drunk. And um, yeah, I just, I needed, I needed to change the conversation with myself. I needed to... Uh, yeah, feel better about myself. And I definitely wanted to be more predictable to everybody in my life, especially my grandkids and my, and my kids. So that was, yeah, best decision I ever made. Congratulations on your three years of sobriety. Thank you. Yeah. That's, Thank you. that's pretty cool. Um, I was talking to one of my friends, a good friend, and he was, he, he's decided that he's going to kind of give up alcohol but we were kind of chatting back and forth and struggling with the idea of the definition of an alcoholic because, mm-hmm. you know, this person, it's not like they, they woke up and started drinking right till the end of the day. Like what, how do you define an alcoholic? Um, I was a binge drinker. So I think anybody with, uh, who, who has an addiction issue, it's how it affects yourself and your life. Um, I, I, you know, for me, it was a coping mechanism uh, because, you know, this this uh, this binging that night was more probably in line with coping with the stress of work or something triggered it, and um, it it was it, it's been a coping mechanism. Like I've had, you know, um, abuse and whatever uh, as as a child and. You know, um, you always go back to how, you know, you, you, you know, um, how do I put this? Um, you know, you, I would never speak to my 10 year old self. I would never speak to a child who was that 10 year old self. I would never, ever speak to a child the way I would have spoke or the way I was treating myself or speaking to myself. Um, so alcohol um, any substances that I have consumed in my life have been a coping mechanism and uh, therapy was fundamental. It was so necessary to start peeling back the layers of 
of what it was that I was trying to mask. And, um, you know, everybody, uh, you know, everybody, I was always funny and jovial when I was drinking. And then it was all of a sudden I wasn't. Then I was opinionated or I was an asshole or um, I did really stupid things, like stupid things. But everybody, it was entertaining, right? Everybody was somewhat entertained and it was a coping mechanism. It was, it was um, saying I, I'm not good enough as how I am. So I'm going to change myself, my personality by using, you know, drugs or alcohol. And I just, um, yeah, I just, something just clicked in my head and I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't give a shit about if that person thinks I'm fun or if that person wants to be my friend, I'm not into conditional love anymore. I'm into, um, unconditional love and this is who I am and I'm going to be sober. I don't, I don't want it in my life. And, uh, I think my liver thanks me. I think my kids thank me. I think my grandkids don't know the difference, which is amazing because mm. I don't think they've ever, I don't think my, my 11 year old granddaughter would remember me ever having a drink. Right. So, and my, definitely my three year old granddaughter doesn't. <laughs> Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I think yeah. I, I, the reason I ask is because I, I get the, you know, the, the 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 vision we get when you think of an alcoholic is is the, I think there's a spectrum to that. And I think it just comes down to, I guess, maladaptive behavior. Either it's affecting your life in some way, even at small amounts. If it's not it's not helping you show up the right way, then yeah. then it's yeah. yeah, you don't need it in your life. And for me, um, you know, my behavior wasn't always necessarily a drink every day. It, it started becoming a habit of I come home, I have a glass of wine, which a glass of wine was a third of a bottle uh, while I made dinner. So it was changing patterns. Um, but I was definitely a binge drinker. Like once my brain got connected to the chemical and then it was like, okay, well, one more tastes like one more. And that tastes like one more. And then I started losing my taste for even the alcohol. Like I could drink alcohol straight. Um, so everybody's brain connects a little differently. And I think my brain was, um, you know, being in uh, an alcoholic environment since day one. Um, I, you know, like for me, I, I would never, I just would never have a drink because I just feel like, it will always taste like one more. That's that's a similar sentiment, actually, with the my friend. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like, and and for him, it was basically just yeah. I just want to show up better. I just I'm not showing up, and you know, it's not like I'm drinking a lot, but when I drink, I don't show up. You know, yeah. and, and so yeah. it's and like you're not you're not predictable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I would make excuses um, for not being where I was supposed to be the next day. And, you know, I wasn't feeling well this morning and um, I just wasn't predictable. And it's like, no, I want to do when I say I'm going to do something, I want to be that person that's going to do it. And it may, it may be a bit of an inconvenience in my schedule but if i say i'm going to do it i'm going to do it and there's really no excuse why i'm not unless of course i am like naturally 
not well, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Have a cold or the flu or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Um, I, mm-hmm. I felt the same way. Um, I mean, it's like you mentioned it earlier. It's not just alcohol. It's any any drug. Any any. It could be anything. It could be you could be addicted yeah. to uh, porn. You get addicted to. You know what? Actually, uh, there was a book. Um, oh, I need to look it up. I'm gonna forget it. Uh, is it called Dopamine with? Uh... Oh, I, yes, yes. I can't remember the author. I'll have to look it up in the show notes. But but her her addiction. So the, the, I listened to the book, but it was basically going through, you know, um, <clears throat> alcohol, uh, cannabis, uh, <laughs> masturbation, um, a whole bunch of different addictions that that create mal- maladaptivity in people's lives, which equates to. Well, it equates to an addiction and uh, her, the, the author's thing I think was reading romance novels and how it, yeah, yeah, you remember that? Yeah. And, and, and she basically over time they got racier, like racier and racier because she wasn't getting the dopamine hit from, from this level of erotica. She needed to step it up to another. So I just had the same thing with, with cannabis and, and I just, I was, yeah, I was using it in a maladaptive way. I was using it when I shouldn't be using it. And, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, it was a total crutch. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, same thing. It's just like, yeah. just one day I'm just like, I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a month off or, you know, and then I reintroduced it and, and then it was like probably a year and, and I, but I don't, I don't want to use the word that, you know, sobriety for myself. I just, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if, if, it, if it's even the same thing. Um, but yeah, it made a huge difference. And then, you know, admittedly I've, I've used a bit here and there nothing like I had before, but when you're clear and you consume it, what I find is, um, I really pay attention to the way it affects my thoughts. Right. And I'm like, from being off it for not using it for so long and then having just a little sip, a little bit of distillate. And then it's just like, why am I thinking this? And you're mindful of it. And oh. And, 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 totally. and imagine if you're just, if you just keep doing it and then it becomes just the haze and you're not even paying attention to your behavior or your thoughts, yeah. that your thoughts are just your thoughts. And when, when you've done something for so long and then you stop, it's, it, it takes like a month to come out of the haze of it all really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, 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 I think it's like going, you know, for me, it's going from hero to zero. And, um, you know, in my therapy, it was, uh, you know, we all, um, all phobias and, and uh, our, the way we cope, it's just that disconnect from your, your inner energy, whatever, whatever you want that. It's, it's a coping mechanism and it's, um, you know, people pull their hair out or yeah. people that are afraid of spiders. Like it's all a disconnect from your inner energy and, uh, um yeah, just, you know, being aware and awake. And I used to have a hard time being by myself in my house and in my own head. Like, it's like, I did not want to be connected. Like, I just wanted to be off in some other land. And I felt like it was more creative, or I could get more housework done, or I could do (laughs) this. And no, (laughs) no, no. Um, and, and it's different, and it's different for everybody. But I, all, I, I think that all of it is, you know, there's a social connection to it. Um, 
you know, cannabis, alcohol, whatever. Like, there's a social connection to it. Um, but at some point for myself, it was just like, I just, I got to let it all, I got to let that all go because I have to start peeling down the layers and, and investigating what's going on if I want to, uh, if I want to get rid of some of these paradigms that are deeply rooted that have been, um, you know, with me since, the day i was born really <laughs> and uh, yeah i've done take a bunch some of work sorry go ahead take some work take some work physical yeah. training is, is no isn't is easy doing the mental yeah digging is is hard i worked with a coach and we we went through some some timeline stuff like going back to my past and trying to and I, I, I can't say that I've ha- had a lot of, I've said this before, like big T trauma. I think a lot of my trauma was just these small, impactful moments in my life that have, mm-hmm. that have kind of shaped me into the person that I am. And, and uh, it, it's, it is, it's, it's, it is a lot of work. And I think the, the, for people like, I think I'm the same. Um, and I, I did it today and I corrected myself. I went for that ride and I don't know what happened. But I said, oh, you, you fucking idiot. Oh, I know what I did. I raised my seat. That's all. My, my seat keeps kind of sliding down. And so I raised it up and it was too high. And I wrote it. It's like, you fucking idiot. And I said that out loud to myself. It's like, well, you're not an idiot. I even said that out loud. It's like, stop. You're not an idiot. You put the saddle too high. Relax. Take it easy, you know. And I was in a great space. But it's those grooves. They run deep, right? And yeah. it. And yeah, it, it, it's changing the pattern. Yeah. It's just changing the pattern, and it's going, you know, oops, I shouldn't, I, I, I shouldn't yeah. have done that, and just go, you know, okay, well, learn from that, get on the bike, and you know, adjust it and go, and it, it's, it's, it's changing the habit. It becomes habitual for us to, um, you know, talk negatively towards ourselves, and then. Um, it's something I've learned is to go back to that 10 year old girl that was pre braces. And would you ever speak to her that way? Would you ever speak to a child that way? Because we all have an inner child, right? So I, I, I try to think as my, my energy as like my inner child that still is, you know, grin from ear to ear as I'm riding my bike. And I feel like I'm, you know, a kid again, yeah. and it's easy to connect to that. And then I always just say, "Well, would I, would I talk to a ten-year-old child that way? Like, why would I do that? Because it's changing that pattern, that thought pattern. Because you've done it for so long, and it takes time. It's work." Yeah, and and, and it's funny. It's, you know, I was riding my my bike out to like down the Legacy Trail, just a bunch of pavement, but on the single speed, right? So he just spun out all the time and. Oh, you, you just kind of play, right? It just made me feel super young. Like, oh, you know, just zipping along, zigzagging down the pavement, and I can only go so fast, and there's a big climb coming up, so you just kind of settle in and grind it out. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, like, only, like, I've had a really rough summer of, of not riding, and now it's, I feel this spark to take advantage of every moment I can. <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. if I can get Change out either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I love the fall. I have a tattoo on my leg that represents biking in the fall. Yeah. So I love it, right? Yeah. The change of the season. It's, it's the so right, cool. yeah. Did you, the type of therapy you did, was it specific? Was it a specific type? Like, um, it was, yeah, it was an addiction specialist. Oh, I see. Okay. That I went to. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah, it's and, can't say and, with therapy. Yeah, and it was actually like it was online. It was BetterHelp uh, okay. that I that okay. I yeah that I used, and uh, the fellow that um, helped me it was, uh, um, yeah, he was he was really good, and he was he was an addiction specialist, and uh, yeah, just really kept me on on board, like. Uh, you know, not um, allowing people to, you know, stop being so nice to everybody. <laughs> you know, you're, you're allowing people just to kind of walk all over you. And, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, just how to be how, how to react to certain situations, sort of what to say in that situation where I found myself pulling those tools out and empowering myself and saying yeah you know I have a voice and and it seems really odd because um you know I had kids young I got a degree I got my CPA I started my practice and on the outside it looks like man this girl's got her shit together but on the inside I felt like I was this imposter and uh I just needed to make sure everybody was okay and I was the I was the tape that held it all together and um, that was again uh, a coping mechanism, right? I, I I don't want to rattle any of the cages, and and so then yeah, it's it's yeah, it's behaviors are are interesting, and so um, something I've learned is you change the thought, you have to change your thought process, and and it's just so important to to change the words that you use and change your thought process. And yeah, what was the biggest aha moment for you going through there? I mean, are you still working with a therapist? Do you, do you, do you feel like it's something that you need to? No, 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 no. Um, you know, I, I think, whew, I don't even know how long I, I was with him, maybe three or four months. I just needed to be on track. Um, you know, there were, there were moments where I was like, oh, well, nobody's looking. Like, nobody will know if I have a drink. And I think the aha moment was, yeah, but you're going to know. Mm. Who gives a shit what anybody else thinks about your sobriety? It has nothing to do with anybody else. And there was, like, it was actually in the morning. <laughs> like, morning, I was not a morning drinker, but it was that coping mechanism that was just triggering it. And then I realized, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, no, this is not for anybody else. And, and nobody cares if you, you know, go down a sober path or not. Like, it, every, everybody cares about themselves. Everybody is just keenly caring about themselves so it's in my best interest to do the same and it's okay to do that it's not selfish it's okay to keenly invest in yourself because everybody's doing it <laughs> that's funny you mentioned that because i heard that before too and, and we forget it's like no one gives a shit like that no. whole idea of fear of other people's opinions it's it's like <clears throat> you know most most people don't care about that shit like maybe people close to you, I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. But it, but it's, it's, yeah, everyone's just, everyone's in the same boat thinking that everyone else is what they're thinking about them, you know? And it, mm -hmm. it's just like, it's this crazy human condition. And, and to think that, you know, I, I'm glad we're talking about it because I think it's important that people feel 
there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of stigma around seeking help in this way. And when you think of better help, um, I'm, I've reached out to them to sponsor the podcast because I'd love to have them sponsor this. But it's like, what's cool yeah. about that is you're just reaching out to some random person. It's like, there's no personal connection with it, right? Right. And and yeah. and so there's no they don't know you they, there's there's no shame there there's no and then that everyone no one's alone in it like everyone struggles with something right yep. it yep. always looks and I think I think the hard part is is just you know um, reaching out and 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 sharing your story and 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 um, realizing there's no shame in it like. Uh, that to me that was the hard part is being honest with the therapy and because because i had kept it buried for so long that now i have to share everything that's gone on and you know <laughs> since the beginning and and it, it wasn't really a focus on that it was more of a focus on today and the tools to get through today and and that one day at a time mentality and one moment at a time and um you know learning to realize yeah i'm feeling anxious because i had a super busy day and because i i gave myself to so many different uh, moments and people and I created that again a coping mechanism right if I'm busy I don't have mm. to think about it um, and then then that would trigger this anxiety in me and then I'm looking your brain is is geared to go okay what is the quickest way to settle this down and get her back into this state of of calm and it, it goes to whatever it knows quickest route to get there i mean that's your brain's built to be efficient is how i've learned that and um you know just going okay my brain all of a sudden is connecting to that moment to reach for it and then it's it's like trying to bypass that route by having a thought of have a glass of water or like for me it's not like go walk the dog it's like just something quick have a glass of water and um you know go have a bath or go brush your teeth or something just just to interrupt the mm. natural thought pattern that your brain has always been used to and it's it's habitual it's just changing your thought changing the habit that's an interesting strategy actually is just to and i i've heard that before where it's well just even recently um just about directing your energy right like like you could let your brain, you know, convince you to take a drink or you could just direct that, that anxious energy into exactly that. It's like creating a new habit or a new pattern. And I think what is the, how long do you think it takes to, to hack away at that before it becomes your new behavioral pattern? Oh, for, for me, I think it's different with everybody. I also think it is um, connected to how badly you want it, what your desire is. Um, for me, I, you know, I think it was like 90 days before, you know, you know, with, with Mike and, it, and it's, and it's communicating with people that are in your life. Like with Mike, he loves wine and he would talk about, you know, this wine from this vineyard. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Like, stop talking about it. Like, I don't want to smell your wine. Actually, your wine smells disgusting. 
Um, and now I don't like the smell, like the smell of alcohol. I can smell it like that. Interesting. Which also is like awareness that if I can smell it because I don't drink um, or my my sense of smell is heightened, is that other people would have smelt it on me. <laughs> right. Where I thought I was being all sneaky. That's so it's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. But the smell of red wine, it used to be my go-to. Just it, To me, it just smells disgusting. It smells like moldy, yuck, moldy grapes. Like, well, it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, exactly. But that's exactly what it smells like. It doesn't smell like something some, from some lovely sun-filled vineyard. Um, so for me, yeah, it was, it was nice. I think it was about 90 days. And then uh, I had, I had a great circle of people around me, like friends, um, you know, one of my dearest friends, she would never ever have alcohol. Like if we go for dinner, she always, you know, we'd have like a uh, cold soda and we'd have a tea and she was just very aware of it. And I just felt really in a safe space. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need the triggers, right? You don't need the. And, and to, for me, like what a gift to quit during COVID because there was nothing socially going on. <laughs> so... Yeah, that makes you even like triply as mentally strong as anyone I've ever yeah, met yeah. to do it but, during that but, time. But, you know, to turn the corner into my house, like everybody else, you have to go by the liquor store. And there was one moment where I was turning right and the liquor store was like that quick left. And I thought, oh, I'll just get one ball of wine. And I went, nope. And I just kept driving by. And, you know, you have to congratulate. I just actually like physically yeah. patted myself on the back and said... Good job, you know. Good job. Go home and and eat. And if I ate before I left work, then I had something in my stomach before I went home and was like, Mike, Mike laughs because I come home and I just want to shove calories in my face, right? I, I haven't eaten since lunch. I'm hungry, and uh, so eating some calories, like nuts or anything, before I left work, actually really helped to change that pattern because I didn't have that same, I need to put some calories in my face. So have a beer or have a glass of wine just to, you know, get before supper started. So I made sure that I would eat something before I got home. And that really helped. Yeah, man, it's just about changing those habits. Well, I already said it, but congratulations. That's great. And it sounds like you've been so mindful around it. And so, and you know, like you said at the beginning, it's not, it, it's not that easy for everybody, you know, not saying it was easy for you, but you know, to be able to just flip a switch and just say, yeah. no, this isn't serving me anymore. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it anymore. Um, I think that takes a lot of, a lot of courage and power and willpower just to, to do that. I was listening to a podcast and I've talked about this a couple of times, Lex Friedman podcast with, with this guy, uh, Yosha Bach. And he is like a tech guy ai guy um philosopher guy and he was talking about these stages of life one through seven you know like being born uh and then you develop socially and then the last two uh six and seven six is um the life stage of wisdom right um introspection and self-analysis mm -hmm. and that's kind of like six and then seven is transcendence mm -hmm. When you're just like, I don't have any fucks to give about what anybody thinks. This is who I am. This is what I've created. Yeah. 
you know, and then, and I, I found that kind of, and I don't know if it's, if it's an age thing, but, but I feel like, I feel like a lot of that in my age group is going on right now. There's a lot of like really cool connection. Um, like just in the last <clears throat> handful of days I've connected with, I think three or four different met in, in the, my back 40 community or, or my buddies. Mm-hmm. And we're all just like sharing and talking and creating this, uh, that's safe space for lack of a better phrase, right. Where, where we can all just talk to one another and, and there's no, there's no shame and there's no judgment. And it, all there is, is, um, this understanding. We just all fucking get it, you know, not, not that, sorry, we get it and we're enlightened in that respect, but we just get each other. Well, you, you, know? you're aware. I mean, it, it, it is an enlightenment because now you're, you're becoming more aware. And, you know, I never understood the lady Gaga wearing the meat suit. Um, and then in my therapy, uh, um, I was, you know, the comment was, we're just, we're just energy walking around in a meat suit. <laughs> and I went, oh, I get it. <laughs> I never understood it. But, I mean, we are. And then you start connecting with your energy and you're just becoming more aware. So when you are speaking with other people and you're not being judgmental, it's because you're connecting with not with what they did or, or the meat suit that they wear. You're just kind of connecting with their energy. And we all, we all have that, you know, same creative energy. It's just sometimes the behaviors that are connected to our emotions that are connected to our thoughts. Um, we just, uh, you know, we, we may put past judgment on that, but when you start becoming more aware of what your true essence energy is, I mean, these are, these are ideal people that you want to surround yourself with because they all have good energy and you're aware of that. And, you know, whether their hair is purple or they have, you know, studs up their face, who cares? It's just a meat suit anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's, 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 uh, it's been a very interesting energetic couple weeks. Like just, I don't know what it is. Maybe the change of season or, yeah. Um, yeah. or just, people maybe it's a time of year people going into the winter and getting afraid of the isolation and the lack of connection and maybe reaching out that last little bit to connect with people but it's been a joy man it's just been and i think that that's that's so that's missing man it's just being able to connect with your people mm-hmm. you know whoever they may be like you're you know you're in edmonton right like you're yeah edmonton southwest of southwest edmonton, but, yeah, in but devon. devon right i knew that but like you're so far away, we can connect in this way. And oh, I know. Uh, for for the last few days, I've just like tried to really catch when um, a, a name goes through my head, like an old friend or or whatever, and I'll immediately like pull my phone out, and if I have their number, I'll text them or I'll DM them, like just yeah. to say, hey, just thinking about you, um, yeah. you know, just making more of a habit to do that. Then maybe that speaks to the my the own isolation that I've been in. I feel like I've been in for a long time, you know. Nice. But no, that's that's cool. Well, yeah, that's uh, thanks for sharing that. Um, what else do you have? What else do you have planned? 
some gravel races. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, switching my focus a little bit. I'm just going to maintain over the uh, over the winter. And I'm super stoked to uh, get some new tires for my fat bike. Not sure what I'm getting yet, but I'm just super stoked to get out and ride my bike in the snow. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about that today. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking about that. My my fat bike. My apartment's tiny. I don't have any outside storage. So like you can see, oh, there's, there's bikes here. Around. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I've got my fat bike in pieces, like right beside my bed. I took it apart, kind of tucked it away. What a bachelor pad. Right oh on. my God. Yeah. Someone came in here. It's like, <laughs> yep, that's the bachelor. I got my drum set in the corner right now, folded up, guitars. Oh yeah. And uh, I was laughing because I was looking around. I was like, I don't have any plants. I need some plants, you know, right. just to, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know what? It's my space. It's a beautiful space. Yeah. And as soon as I moved in, I just like pictures of the kids and mm. and their art just pinned to the wall. I don't give a fuck. Just like pin it. I just want mm-hmm. all that. The fridge is full of crap. Not crap. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Full of like yep. pictures and images and drawings. And I've got clay art up over there. I just really want it to. So when my kids are here, you know. They dig it a little bit. Also, it sounds like you're surrounding yourself with a lot of things that you love. Oh, I just, yeah, yeah, you should see it. And then, yeah, so Sloan gave me a, gave, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get it because you'll laugh. She comes, she comes in Father's Day because I got them for Father's Day. And, and she comes in and she's got this bag and she pulls out this bag. And she gives me, <laughs> she gives me this. Of course, this is audio. No one can see this, but she gives me this. She comes in and she's like, here, daddy. (laughs) It's just the most phallic thing I've ever seen is what it is. And so, so she puts it in my, for people who are, it kind of, it's like, it's got a base. It's made of clay. It says Sloan dad on it. And it basically looks like a penis sticking out of the base. Weasel, or... no, there's no eyes on it. It is a weasel, a flesh weasel, <laughs> right? It's just this. I said, Oh, honey, oh that's so gosh. beautiful. What is it? She goes, It's a trophy. It's like, awesome. I'll take your trophy. Oh, that's amazing. And then this num- oh my number one dad, and a medal. yeah, and a medal, right? Aww. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. Those see, I have um, my son in grade four, and he's thirty. Made me a. It's a coaster, and it's a ceramic coaster. And it's you know got a leaf on it and whatever. And I still like that's still on my bedside table. <laughs> it, it's you know I put my water on it every night. Love it, love it. That's why you know, these things that uh, you cherish for a long time. Yeah, and then somewhere there's like a like there, there's a ball of clay that's painted and it's got like screws and nails sticking out of it. <laughs> I love you, daddy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really trying to, I'm just trying to surround myself with the things that, you know, that give me joy and Aww. yeah. Aww. So it, yeah, yeah, it is. And uh, you know what? It's it's good, man. It's been an interesting transition. It's been really, really interesting. Still ongoing, you know, it's uh, it's, it can be hard. You know, sometimes it's easy, yeah. but I just try to, you know, when the kids are here, when I have them, just really, just really try to be as present as possible as I possibly can. Summer was hard just with, uh, like I said, with the balancing the work and the kids it was really hard to be present. 
but um, and and it's yeah, and it's it's the change in patterns of doing things, you know, as a family, mm-hmm. and then not doing things as a family, and you know, you have to just be really mindful of um, how you speak to yourself. Oh yeah, yeah, you know, um, um, a buddy Jim Sevely was here. Um, him and uh, he and Emily were passing through because they were doing a Cranbrook Fondo on their tandem. But he came by and and I I spent a lot of time with Jim on the divide and and we haven't really connected face to face since then so it was really good to see him. But you know like my kids were there and and um this sounds really self-flagellating but Jim said such a really nice thing and he goes man your kid you can tell your kids really love you. You know? And when you get that from the outside, I'm getting emotional. Yeah. You know, but when you get that from the outside after f- feeling like you've done such a horrible job as a father you know and that's that's and that's probably more what i'm telling myself beating myself up about certain things right but to hear someone say that and to say hey you're you're a great dad you know having people close to me tell me that it's like it's huge it's huge right so yeah that's been i mean that that's happened just in the last couple weeks there's all this you know i'm a I'm a validation guy. I'm a, you know, people pleaser. I'm a, you know, procrastinator. I'm all these things. And, uh, and, uh, like just, just having people validate me in that way. I know that should be, that should come intrinsically. You should be able to validate yourself. It sometimes takes the awareness from the outside and you're like, it shines the light on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, uh, yeah, last year, as, as hard as it's been, I think I've really um, done my, like, really feel like I've connected with my kids in a new way. That's so cool. Yeah, that's what I feel like. But it's still hard as fuck. <laughs> oh. It's so hard. It's Absolutely. so hard. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm grateful. Grateful that I have them around. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you keep your focus on on what you do want and how you want it to be. Yeah. And um, it's just it's invaluable just to you know you could say, well, this is the way it was, or um, you just have to keep your focus on how you want it to be. And yeah. Uh, your your kids, if if you if they see you happy and they're happy, right? They're pretty simple to please. Or, you know, you just give them, make sure that they're in your, when they're, you know, in in your world that they're number one. And uh, yeah, it goes a long way if they can feel like they are important because kids always feel it's all, always about them, right? Yeah. Every, everything, everything, everything. is about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of is, it, it, yeah. it kind of is, right? Like, Got to make sure they're happy. And I just, yeah, lately I've just been really trying to get them, get them to spread their wings, like to really, you know, like I, there's so many kids that live around here and it's like, oh, we're going to go out and play. Oh, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. For it, sure. yeah. So it's, uh, it's been cool, but yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out on a bike trip uh, at some point soon. The rig's ready to go. <laughs> been ripping that thing around. <laughs> Yeah, I just uh, did the 1A, um, like I said, with some friends and uh, two two of the women that were with us had e-bikes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it was uh, from Banff, it was 25 kilometers up to Johnston Canyon on the pavement, the sun was shining. It was like, 
this is amazing. I felt so good. It was so it was 25 kilometers, did a bike pack, set up, you know, uh, packed up the next morning, 25 kilometers back to Banff. That was that was the excursion. And it was amazing. I thought it doesn't always have to be complicated and hard. <laughs> no, you're right. Uh, yeah, the, the person I'm, I hope to be bikepacking with said, it's just like, we're just going to take it easy, right? We're going to party pace, yeah. you know. And then I think that, that I feel like they're saying that because uh, just what I usually do, like I don't really have the chance to, to go on a chill trip. It's always this yeah. this distilled event, right? And then you make the most of it. But uh, I'm really looking forward to just stopping at all the places and eating all the things and <laughs> just yeah. like really soaking it in. Yeah. And then, yeah, it goes over the Tamarack goes over Red Meadow Pass, which was, okay. was, was his on, on part of the divide. And last year I remember all the pictures, it was, you're walking on like compact eight feet of compact snow, like literally. And then all the pictures this year were just all dirt and the beautiful lake. And <laughs> just like, man, oh I want to get up there and see it in the thaw, you know? So this, 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 uh, Tamarack, that's, um, that's a casual, right? That's, uh, yeah, it's like, it's on bikepacking.com and it's basically, oh, cool. it, it leaves uh, whitefish. There's a bit of pavement to get out of town. I, you know, I, I, yeah. I haven't really, looked at the route so i can't be super specific but um yeah it was 200 and the, there's there's a uh, an alternate and the long loops 215 215k and like two uh, i don't know like around three thousand meters right mm-hmm. so pretty chill and there's mm-hmm. yeah a bit of pavement and there's a shorter one where you can drive to a different trailhead and then it turns into like uh um like i think 165k it's 170k oh to do that in the fall, my gosh, that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I'm just praying for good weather and um, just for it all to kind of fall into place. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it because the buckshot was, you know, it was fun. But yeah. <laughs> it was hard. It was so hard. Yeah, that's, one, that's, that's, on, my, that's on my list. Um, oh, you'd crush to do it. That. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't do it this year because uh, everything was, you know, Big Sky Spectacular. But... <laughs> Um, it is that, that's another one. I haven't done that one yet or lost elephant. That's another one. Uh, Oh, there's lots you haven't done then in, in BC. Yeah. A couple, couple things. I'd really like to, I'd really like to do the Epic again. I'd like to try to yo-yo it again. I don't think I'd be able to do it in seven days though. I'm not sure about that. I'd have to train up for that, I think. But yeah, I really like that. I really like that, that route. I talk about it all the time. It's so pretty. Yeah. Just, it's so beautiful and, and yeah, just the, um, so many different, uh, water sections. I mean, not, not that you're riding through water, but you know, the, the lakes and yeah. the rivers. And, oh my gosh. It's so beautiful. So much water. Yeah. Um, it was good to talk to you. You too. Yeah. You too. Good to catch you're up. Good. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I'm just, I haven't showered yet. I'm just like all sweaty and dirty still from, <laughs> from my ride. Dirtbagging it, bachelor style. Right on. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, yeah, really good to hear from you. And, uh, well. and we'll, well, Steve. we'll connect again sometime soon. Hopefully yeah, we can ride together good. sometime. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the opportunity to, oh, yeah. to chat with you too. That was neat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had some great stories, so it was fun. Always fun to share. <laughs> 
And yeah, thanks for sharing so much of yourself too. Wasn't sure, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of people who are going through that, um, that journey to sobriety, just, I think it's important to share, mm-hmm. you know, if you can, and you, you're very open with it. So I really appreciate it. Yeah, I have, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I have, uh, you know, if, if it can inspire somebody else, um, I oh. just have to keep, you know, owning my truth. That's it. Yeah, that's it, hey? <laughs> All right. Well, lots of love to you and say hello to Mike. I will for yeah. sure. And uh, yeah, we'll... I have to go pick him up at the airport in an hour. So. Oh, where's he coming back from? He's coming back from Victoria oh. and then he heads out on the Pacific for the Pacific Crest Trail on Thursday morning again. Bunch of dirtbags oh. live in that house. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> which is he doing it a section at a time? Yeah, he is. How, how, yeah, so how many, sec- like how many, goes, sorry. Well, he goes back, um, he's been doing, uh, like one month section. So he does about 400 miles in a month. So he's doing a hundred miles a week. Um, so he's, uh, it was really, uh, uh, odd year. I'll wrap it up quick, but, um, no, they had unusual snowfall, like 290% more snow in the high Sierra than they've not normally have had. Uh, so just for safety reasons, he, um, decided not to push through to do the high Sierras because, um, river crossings are really dangerous because of the melting snow mm. and, uh, sun cups, I guess, in the snow are something that I've never really heard of before, but, um, some of them are four or five feet wide and they're slimy and, uh, they can be pretty dangerous. Like it, it can be extremely dangerous. So he said, you know what, I'm just going to myself off wait for another month let uh, things settle down a bit and then go back so that's what he's doing so he's being really smart about it yeah that's really cool um to be to be out there for like a month like that on foot i know yeah Uh, do do you have any interest in doing stuff like that i did a month with or a month with them i did 100 miles with them last may um for me when i'm out like walking and doing the trails like just constantly thinking man this would be awesome to have my bike <laughs> you see all the lines hey you're like oh that'd be a good line <laughs> so it's uh, almost excruciating a little bit to be walking <laughs> do, you, do you take one of your poles and like kind of like yeah yeah exactly <laughs> handlebar yeah. it down and some trail and then i'm just yeah yeah giving it yeah so um, uh i i you know maybe next year i might do something right after tax season as a bit of a wind down before um, uh, before BT, but uh, yeah, I won't be going back this year. Awesome. Well, again, we'll call it there. I just get Mike on. Mike can come on and tell me yeah. about his trip. Yeah, <laughs> he would love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, we'll do it because I'm sure there's a whole mental game with that as well, right? There's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, down. you know, he's 69 this year, so. He's not, uh, he's not a spring chicken. And so he could be probably very inspiring for people to think that they might be past that prime time. He's 69. He'll be 69 this year. Crazy. Never would have. not Yeah, I wouldn't have pegged that. 69. No. no. Yeah. No. Well, good for him. Just getting after it. <laughs> Keep water, yeah. Moving water don't freeze, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you, if you don't stop doing it, you'll never know you can't. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Hmm, I'm going to reach out to him, maybe. We'll have to have a conversation. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Trish. Yeah, you bet. Take care, buddy. Hey, you too.
I want to thank Trish again for her time and thank all of you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. It was really fun. I really had a great time talking with Trish and uh, it was really nice to be able to dive deep into, especially into her sobriety and just kind of, you know, talk about that. She was really open about it. And um, like I said, in that podcast, I've had conversations with, with people recently who have been kind of introspective about their use of substances as either a crutch or an escape or a a lubricant if you will for life (laughs) and um and i think just just knowing and recognizing that that's a part of your life that's that needs attention i think deserves a lot of credit and um yeah kudos to trish for for seeing that and making the changes uh that she needed to to show up better in her life all right you guys i love you uh really stoked about that conversation more to come lots of projects on the go so give me a follow and stay tuned and don't forget keep the rubber side down